Welcome to the podcast. Keep listening to our weekly episodes to find out more. Finding great candidates to hire can be like, well, trying to find a needle in a haystack, but not with ZipRecruiter. Its powerful technology actively finds and invites qualified candidates to apply to your job. So while other companies might deliver a lot of hay, ZipRecruiter finds you the needle in the haystack. See why four out of five employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash offer. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash offer. Hey, it's John Jane Rich. Sometimes after the show, we sit in the studio and we keep talking about stuff and then we post it online. We call it the Afterwards Podcast. I mean, Kyle, you came up with the name. It was kind of a team effort. No, it wasn't. Okay. You came up with the name. Oh, right, right, right. When you search for it, search after words, W-O-R-D-S, not the other way. Now, once you find it, please subscribe, rate, and review. A little bit of a warning. Sometimes afterwards can be a little N-S-F-W. So, you know, earbuds. We talk about things we can't and shouldn't talk about on the real show. But this is as real as it gets. After words, it's on the iHeartRadio app, iTunes, or just go to our podcast page at johnjanrich.com. Afterwards, W-O-R-D-S. Wake your ass up, John J. Rich. What's crack a leg? And this is the big boss dog. Snoopy Deagle Double Jizzle. Bang, boom. What you gonna do? We're not talking about Ren 1010. We're not talking about Lassie. It's the one and only dog, y'all. The classy, sassy, big Snoopy Deagle Double Jizzle. In your face to be and in the place to be. And you're listening to John J. and Rich. Wake your ass up. Happy Friday, everybody. Uh, this Sunday is Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. All right. Give your mother a kiss and I'll kick your teeth in. Hey, shut up. You're not my real mom. You know you love the weekend. Your mother was a hunter. It's Mother's Day and you're ruining it. It's Judge and Rich. It's Friday, man. Finally, Yay, huh? We made it. Oh, man. That's crazy. Friday. <laughs> Our phone number is 877-937-1047. I have some pretty big news. I, I knew this would happen. I knew this day would come. It's bittersweet because I'm excited about it, but I'm also not that. I'm kind of bummed, but I'm excited about it. At Unfug Feet has taken over. As the most followers of everybody on this show. <laughs> so weird. Because Kyle has <laughs> some of the most beautiful feet you will see. People on the internet will say they, she has the most beautiful feet. But we did a, I knew, and I knew yesterday's, I put a video up yesterday. I knew it would take us there yesterday. It was, we were at 190,000 followers. Just say, what do you, what do you Almost see? Almost at 200,000? Almost at 200,000 followers. That's insane. Because Kyle's beautiful arches and soft soles. <laughs> this is so crazy. How do you do it, Kyle? <laughs> What's the nice secret? Pictures. She has no idea. I don't know. She's clueless. I literally have no idea. She's clueless at the gifts she has given the internet. They're beautiful. And the comments that people leave are hilarious. Someday I just want to do, we should do a segment someday of people of reading the comments that be the, the passion and the love that people have for Kyle's souls are just unbelievable. They're great. So if you can check it out at Unfug Feet, it's truly a gift. Almost 200,000 followers. (laughs) Insanity. (laughs) Truly. When's it going to get verified? I know. That's the next step. That's Uh the next step. Uh, Also, I had, uh, this is crazy, because my sister, you know, she works in TV. She's pretty high up in the TV world. And she is doing a TV show with OnlyFans. 
So because of that, I had a connection with OnlyFans corporate people, like the big wigs. For cor- oh, and you were like, what's up with my account? Yeah. Actually, they <laughs> wanted to know what's up with my account. So they set up a meeting with me. What? So I had a meeting with OnlyFans yesterday, Zoom, with the two big wigs of OnlyFans, which was hilarious. So, And my sister happened to come down here for Mother's Day and my son's gra- high school graduation. So she, the Zoom was set up with me, but... She jumped on the Zoom. She actually mm-hmm. ran the Zoom because I was like, I'm not going to talk. So <laughs> we, we did the Zoom. And it's so funny because we sit there, we talk about my, the, the history behind my account, which is John Jay's feet, right? And I explain to them what I'm doing and stuff. And, and they pitched me an idea, which I will tell you guys about on Monday, right? Mm-hmm. So it's very exciting. But what's funny is I go, hey, look, here's the deal. I got this foot account for me, and it's called John Jay's Feet. And uh, <laughs> I can't post anything. I don't know why. I did everything I'm supposed to do. And the guy right in front of me on the Zoom has his laptop open. And he goes, oh, oh, looks like it's been flagged. From what? Already? And I'm like, I've done nothing. I can't post anything. And he goes, he goes, that's strange. And he goes, hold up. I cleared it now. Don't worry. No one can ever mess with your account anymore. I'm like, how is my account flagged? I haven't done anything. You that just goes to show anything. you. Imagine what's going on with my Instagram account. Man. You know what I mean? It's like more than a shadow ban. It's like a storm ban. Yeah. But do they say? <laughs> That's crazy. Do they say how it gets flagged? Like, did he say that there was someone reporting it or? No, I didn't get, because I didn't want to focus on the negative. Yeah. So I'm going to, once I have a good relationship with him, and we've already talked a couple times since then uh, via email, I'm going to maybe a week or two go, hey, bye, remember that day? But So I started posting foot content yesterday, and I already have, I, I put a, a special deal right now. It's a bundle. <laughs> mm. A bundle? Just in, just in time for What's Mother's Day. <laughs> for Mother's Day, you can follow. You can subscribe to my OnlyFans for three dollars a month. <laughs> Ooh, that is good. I know. I had a bunch of What else do you get with that? I don't know. There's a there's a thing on the OnlyFans page that says you can bundle and, and put a discount, Why are you and, it, and you get a percentage <laughs> off. Like the lowest you can do, you can charge on OnlyFans is four ninety nine a month. And so I had it at the four ninety nine a month. And then when you do the bundle, all of a sudden it came down the percentage, whatever. It's three dollars a month right now for. 30 days. You can get on John Jay's feet for $3. And I'm like, and people are like, Messi, hey, can you do this? Can you do that? I'm like, yeah, I guess so. So I'm like doing whatever. And my sister's like, all business. Here's what you need to do with John Jay's feet. I'm like, chill out. <laughs> <laughs> so my son, my son was at, uh, he was at this park yesterday and he's doing these drills, right? And he's running around. He's hopping on one foot, hopping on one, and he's sprinting. And I got my, I'm on my OnlyFans. I'm like taking off my foot, my shoe, my so- massaging oh. my foot. Foot <laughs> <laughs> in the park. And then I get all these messages. Oh that was gosh. so great. You massaging your feet at the park while your son's working out. I'm like, thanks, man. Like I got like. <laughs> that is like a different galaxy. It <laughs> yeah. really is. That's a whole different realm of reality. Uh. And you're not like, is his, was it Kemp? Kemp was working out? Or Kemp's friends like, what is your dad doing? (laughs) No, they're they're far away. They're far in the background. To anybody else, anybody else, I make it look like, do I have a splinter in my foot? What's real? You know what I mean? Oh, I'm filming. Like, no one knows that I'm like massaging going, oh, it feels so good. (laughs) (laughs) For the mom that has everything. No, this is mostly for guys, I think. I'm pretty sure my following is guys. Have Mm. you promoted it on your Snapchat? Because that's where you have all your followers. I tried to do it on my Snapchat. Everything was so quick yesterday. I haven't been able to focus and really promote (laughs) my OnlyFans. My foot OnlyFans. Your whirlwind account. Wait till Monday. 
Something else going on on Monday. There's more. Is that- John Jay's booty. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> 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 you can't do that in the park. <laughs> I mean, it could. I mean, just might get arrested. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I want to get into so TV because I watched more Warrior yesterday, but I'm missing out on Selena because we were very obsessed with Selena. And Suzette came in all in Selena, Selena mode today. <laughs> Selena t-shirt, Selena lipstick. Yeah. You look like <laughs> little Selena today. <laughs> so inspired by Selena's right now. You you watched it, right, Kyle? No. No, you didn't watch the first? Mm-hmm. I thought you watched the first season. I what? watched the first season in one day. Oh, I can't wait yeah. for you to watch the second season. I don't want to overhype it too much, but it's way better than the first season. Because the first season was kind of setting everything up. You got to see how she grew up and everything. But in the second season, you see, like, she's already she's already famous. And she's already doing everything. Like, her boutique, music. They're offering her to go solo without her, her band. So she can do an English record. So you, you see more of, like... Things that we didn't really like get to see in the movie with mm-hmm. J-Lo. Like there's a part where Beyonce and her run into each other at the mall. And this is the scene. Who are you looking at? Who's that? Selena. Selena? Who's Selena? I said, who's Selena? I'm a singer. Be quiet. You're a singer too. Tell her. Hi. Hi. Beyonce knows. You better learn not to be afraid of people if you ever want to be famous, too. Now, come on. So that's her mom, Tina knows, talking to a younger Beyonce that sees Selena leaving the mall. And it's like, what? And we know that really happened. Well, Beyonce talks about it. I did actually meet Selena in the Galleria Mall in Houston, but I didn't say much to, to Selena because I wasn't a celebrity and I just saw her and said hello and, and kept it moving. Definitely growing up in Texas, I heard her on the radio and I think listening to her album, even though I didn't know exactly what she was singing, it helped me in the studio with my pronunciation. That's crazy. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's yeah. crazy. I mean, that I interview that. was like from 2017, and they asked about, and now everyone's like putting the two together, connecting the dots. They're like, my mind is blown. Yes. But I'm glad that they put that in there because I feel too. like it like brought a little bit of hype to the show. And I was wondering if they reached out to Beyonce to see if that was okay. You know, like if they, because I, I mean, it's Beyonce. I feel like I would have to ask her for permission mm-hmm. on everything, the casting and everything. But I was so happy to see that because I love Beyonce and I love Selena. <laughs> so I'm crying watching that scene. There's so many other scenes too that I'm not even, I'm not done. I have two episodes left and I'm already crying. So I can't even imagine how it's going to be at the end because we know, we know what happens. Right. Are there only two up? seasons? Yes. Oh, well, yeah, because, you know. Well, I didn't know how long they're going to draw it out. I don't right. know what they covered in a, either one of them. I believe mm-hmm. it's too, because in the the end of season one is when they start showing them higher Yolanda. Yeah. And then, and, but the, I, I watch a lot of interviews with her sister who produced the show, and they're like, they're not going to try to not make it about her. No, yeah. yeah. The, the the second season, the, killer. the first, the, the beginning of the second season, it has nothing to do with her at all. And then I'm at the point where she's kind of coming, she's coming in. Because you can't not believe her in it because she runs the boutique. She runs the fan, the whole fan site mm-hmm. and everything. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So real quick, Instagram account at unfugfeet. Only fans, John Jay's feet. <laughs> All about the Be- feet. <laughs> Beyonce is on, uh, there's a storyline with Beyonce on Selena, which is on Netflix. 
John Jane Rich. Hey, Atlanta, with summer around the corner, there's no time to wait for your healthy, pest-free lawn with True Green, America's number one lawn care company. True Green's science-based approach and local expertise will give your lawn the year-round care it needs to be thick and weed-free. Go to TrueGreen.com radio and save 50% on your first service. Just call 877-415-5296 or go to TrueGreen.com radio today and get a lawn to be proud of. Whatever you're funny, Peacock's got it exclusively. Stream classic sitcoms like The Office, Parks and Recreation, and Two and a Half Men. Plus, catch Peacock original comedies like AP Bio and Say by the Bell. For all your exclusive comedy faves, go to PeacockTV.com and get started. That number again is 877-937-1047. John Jay and Rich. All right, it's time to shoot your shot. Carrie is going to join us, and there's somebody in her life. She wants to take a chance. She wants to use our show. So good morning, Carrie. How are you? Oh, gosh, I love you guys. This is so great. Well, thank you. So what we do with Shoot Your Shot is we're going to let you take over our radio show. We're going to give you 60 seconds to pitch somebody. We'll get them on the air, and we'll let you pitch them a concept, an idea, or something. Um, who is it, by the way, that we're going to be shooting our shot with? Uh, well, we're going to be calling my oldest son, Austin. And, oh, boy, I hope I hope we can pull this off. <laughs> We're calling him for what? But what are you trying to get from him? Oh, oh, okay. Well, you, hey, you're good. I'm sure you're a very good son, and you know that Mother's Day is is coming up this Sunday, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I have three kids. They're fantastic. Um, my oldest two are boys, and I also have a girl, and I love them to pieces. And they go crazy for these holidays and stuff and they really 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 love mother's day for whatever reason i don't even know um their dad and i got divorced when they were younger and now they just they just love to spoil me on mother's day because they finally have some appreciation for what it was like for me being a single mom so i mean i cannot complain about them i'm so grateful for them and their love and they always want to plan these Big activities for Mother's Day, and this year, just because of the craziness of the year and and just how it's been, I'd really, really, really like to stay home this year. (laughs) Oh, so you want to basically say whatever plans you have, please cancel them or change them so that you can just be home? I no, I mean I'd love to see them, of course, but I mean I just don't, I just don't have the umph. I, I don't know what, you know, I'm, for whatever reason, I just feel like the perfect look. It's my day, right? Mm-hmm. I do what I want to do. But last year, we went on a scavenger hunt in the neighborhood. Um, that was fun. My neighbors still talk about it sometimes. Um, and last, no, year before that, we went on a hike. It was all uphill. It was <laughs> really hard. How could me. it all be uphill? You had to come down at some point. <laughs> it's exhausting. <laughs> so they choppered down. You're right. Most of it was uphill. I did not have the best shoes. Um, it's just, you know, it, hey, their hearts are in the right place. Don't get me wrong. I just, oh, and then we always go to brunch. We always go to some fabulous brunch and eat way too much and then, you know, spend the rest of the day full and exhausted. And I love, I love spending time with them, but... The best gift for me this year and what I would just love is to be able to stay home, hang out, watch some Netflix, maybe play a game, 
and take a nap. <laughs> that sounds glorious. Yeah, that does. I don't think they'll have a problem with that unless they do have something big already yeah. planned for you. <laughs> like that they already paid for. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> Skydiving. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's like if you hear, you're almost afraid when she calls him, well, mom, I'm sorry, but we got blah, 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 blah planned. And she's like, you get this anxiety. Like for me, as an introvert and someone who doesn't want to do a lot of stuff, mm-hmm. knowing that somebody that you're connected to has all these plans for you is like, oh, <laughs> right? It's almost awful. like we want to give you the Mother's Day gift, Carrie. Well, we're going to come in and swoop you away Saturday night and yeah. take you away <laughs> to an here. undisclosed location to, to massages and Netflix, and we won't tell your family where you are until Monday morning so you can miss all their activities. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Well, yeah, one year they did send me to a spa, FYI. That was another day where I also broke out. So, you know, I, this year I would just really like a simple, you know, stay-at-home Mother's Day with with the kids and just relax. I, I just think that would be heaven for me. Well, so. They may be relieved, too. You know, they may just want to hang out with you as well. What if they could be like, no, we're, we, we got, we're all getting matching tattoos. <laughs> then we're going to go buy a car, stay in the lobby, and fill out paperwork for hours. <laughs> no, please. It's going to be no, a lot of fun. No, no. I- I don't want to hurt them, of course. I mean, it's so sweet. They're so darling. I, I just, this year, I, I just, this is, I'm not feeling it. <laughs> okay. So we're going to get your oldest son, Austin, on the line. He's the leader of, of your kids. He's the one that makes all the decisions. Like, he's he's he can handle it all, right? He speaks for everyone. Yeah, he does. He does this. He makes the plans, and they all just hop to it. Yeah. What if much. he's like, but I've got a date set up. I'm I'm reconnecting you and dad. Oh, that would be weird. Oh, <laughs> oh dear. Uh, I just felt your heart know. drop. <laughs> We've always Not wanted sure. you and Dad to get back together. We've got it all set up. Oh. Mom, That would be please. terrifying. They know way too much. Oh, dear. All right, Carrie, hold on. We'll get him on. We'll get him on the phone. We'll, and so the way it works, we're going to get him on the phone. you got 60 seconds to shoot your shot, okay? So we're going to do that next oh. with John Jay and Rich. Okay. Nip it, oh, okay. nip it, Carrie, okay. nip it. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Happy Mother's Day. <laughs> John Jay and Rich. All right, we're in the middle of Shoot Your Shot. We got Carrie on the line. Uh, she's a mom, and Mother's Day is Sunday. And here's her situation, which probably a lot of moms can relate to. She's really nervous about what her kids have planned for her on Sunday for Mother's Day because they're a very active family. They do a lot of stuff. Last year, hike, scavenger hunt. In the years past, they've always done a lot of stuff. And this year... She just wants to relax. She wants to stay at home, watch Netflix, mm-hmm. right? She just wants yeah. to chill. Chill, but get her a card. Netflix and chill. <laughs> yeah, just with her kids she at wants, home. Because <laughs> Netflix and chill is So we're going to call Carrie's oldest son, Austin, and we're going to give her 60 seconds to just say, I love you, but can we just, just relax? Mm-hmm. Right, Carrie? Yes, yeah, that sounds good. That really sounds good. All right, so we're going to get Austin on the phone. And when we get Austin on the phone, no, sometimes we tell people who it is, right? We're yeah. gonna, we'll tell him. We say, hey, we got your mom on the phone. Oh, okay. Right, okay. So, okay. We, so you hold on. Let, it, let us get him on the phone and set him up and explain to him what's going on. And then we will give you 60 seconds. Austin? Hey. Hey, hello? Hello. Is Austin available? Oh, yeah, this is he. Hey, Austin, this is a John J. Rich show calling. How are you? Oh, uh, I'm doing good. How are you all doing? We're good. We want to talk to you on the radio, but we need your permission first. Is that okay? 
Sure. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> Austin, on Sunday is Mother's Day. Are you all ready for Mother's Day? Oh, I'm prepared. Okay, don't don't tell me anything as far as what you got prepared. Because let me tell you what's going on on our show. We have a thing called Shoot Your Shot. Shoot Your Shot. This is where we give somebody 60 seconds to take over our airwaves. And they get to try to talk somebody into something or they get to ask for something. A lot of times it's used for a guy asking a girl out or a girl asking a guy out. You know, that kind of stuff. They, you know, you, they get to shoot their shot. You, you know the phrase, right? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so somebody wants to take 60 seconds and shoot their shot with you. But not, uh, uh, wow, okay. But it's not romantic. Oh, okay. Okay, <laughs> so today, shoot your shot is Mother's Day related. It's actually your mother. Your mother is on the phone, and she wanted to ask you something over our airwaves. Really? Yes. Your mother can uh, Okay, sure. <laughs> okay, so we're going to bring her up. We're going to connect you two. We'll, you guys can say hi, and then we're going to start a timer, and we're going to give her 60 seconds to ask you something. And you just be open and listen to what she has to say. Sound good? Yeah, sure. <laughs> okay, so we're going to bring her up right now. Carrie, are you there? I'm here. I'm uh, here. Okay, so say hi to Austin. Don't don't start yet, but just say hi, and then we'll, we'll let you know hi. when the timer sweetheart. Hi, my darling, my firstborn. Hello, sweetheart. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Mom. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Good. Oh, I'm good. I'm, I'm good. I, uh, don't, no, no, I, don't start yet. Hold on. Okay, you ready? We're ready for the timer. Are you ready, Carrie? Okay. Oh, oh, God. Okay. Okay, okay. I gotta be fast. Oh, no, boy. you don't have you, have, you have 60 seconds. It's quite a long time, actually. So, oh, okay. So, hold on. Here we go. We'll start the timer, and you've got 60 seconds to shoot your shot with your son, Austin. Here we go. Carrie, shoot your shot. Austin, I know, I know you know that Mother's Day is coming up on Sunday, and I know that you and your siblings have probably planned something amazing because you always do. And I just have to start off telling you this that, well, you know, I love you guys so much. And, and I, I couldn't have better children. You're all just amazing and make me so proud. You guys are just so thoughtful and caring and giving. And the reason I'm doing Shoot My Shot is because I really I need to tell you something. This year, um, I just. I just need you to understand and, and please talk to your brother and sister about this because for this year on Mother's Day, can, can we please just stay home? Oh my gosh. Um, you seriously just couldn't have done this like, you know, by yourself in practice? I didn't think so. I didn't, I, you guys, I, I know, love you. I, I love you. I love you. I, I know how much fun you guys have planning these things and and you love setting this stuff up to surprise me and I know it's just because you appreciate me and I know that. I believe me. I get it. I just didn't know how to tell you without hurting your feelings. Oh, Mom, your know, feelings wouldn't be hurt. It's your day. You know, it's all about you anyway. Uh, but, I mean, does, does this mean you've, like, is, is, like some of the surprises and stuff we've done for you, have you not, like, enjoy all the stuff we've done for Mother's Day? No, 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 no. That is not what I'm saying at all. I I have loved every single Mother's Day. I, I just really because you want to spend time with me, and that means more to me than anything. And 
But this year, it's been such a crazy year. It's been crazy for everybody. I, I would really just just love to stay in the house and relax and and have a Sunday in and. Sixty seconds are up, Carrie. Sixty <laughs> seconds are up. Hold on, Austin. Well, I mean, what about? I mean, I get my mom. Mom, I get you. We get you plants every year. I mean, just, do you not like those either? Should we stop doing the plant thing? No, no, I love the plants. I love that. That got plants all over. It's just okay. You guys always get me one that I have to plant myself. I mean, <laughs> come on. You guys could at least build me a damn garden or something. <laughs> help me. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, okay. I hear you on that one. I hear you. Could how about let's let's just this year let's just make some breakfast in the house and like hang out. How about that? Oh my gosh, that would be heaven. Really, that's. Perfect, sweetie. That's exactly what I had in mind. I, do you hate me? I mean, <laughs> it's so wonderful. I would just be so happy if we could do that. No, hey, like I said, it's your day, Mom. We'll we'll, we'll make it special even at our own home. Uh, Carrie, do you want to see your kids on Mother's Day? Of course. No, okay, I'm just making sure. <laughs> I want to stay together. I just don't want to have to dress up and, and you know, go yeah. out and be That's fair. People. Mm-hmm. I feel that. Okay. So just to let you know what they did have planned for you, if you don't mind, Austin, uh, I think early morning they were going quad racing, then you guys were going what? zip lining, and then quail hunting. Quail. <laughs> <No. laughs> all that was set up that day. So if you don't, you want to cancel all that stuff, or we can give it away to Color 14. <laughs> Rotator cuff could never take the zip lining. That would have been a nightmare for me. <laughs> no way. All right, so it's a done deal, Carrie. They agreed, or Austin agreed. Yeah, yeah. I'll talk. I'll talk to the other two. I'm sure. I'm. I'm. I'm sure it's all good. <laughs> we'll still have a good time for sure. We'll do a pajama party. How about that? Aww. Aww. I love that idea too. Oh, Aww. I feel so much, so much relief. Thank you, thank you guys so much. I, I needed the help. I really did. <laughs> you got awesome kids. Yeah, happy Mother's Day. Yeah, happy Mother's thank Day. Thank you. It will be. It will be. All right, we'll talk to you guys some other time. Have a great weekend. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, Mom, I'll see you someday. Thanks, sweetie. I love you. Shoot your shot. (laughs) John Jay and Rich. John Jay and Rich. All right, we're going to do a little horoscopes. Mm -hmm. Suzette, what's the vibe? So this is who makes a great mom according to your horoscope sign. Ranked from the best to the worst. Number one being the best and 12 being the worst. All right, let's go to November. Well, good morning. Good morning, good morning. November. <laughs> All right, so for Taurus November, you are number five on the list. Taurus moms are incredibly patient. So they're real. They're down to earth. They can also be stubborn, which can lead to some issues with the kiddos, but they make sure that their kids have an appreciation for beauty and nature. Yeah. I, yeah, okay. That's mm-hmm. good. I hope I'm a good mom. <laughs> so this was, you, you were doing November as a Taurus mother. Yes. Oh, interesting, because that's my mom was a Taurus. Awesome. So you were reading my mom as well. Yeah. Mm. That Was your mom Aww. stubborn? I don't know. She did whatever she said. That's my that's sister. That's how we have to do it. Yeah. Do what we say. <laughs> there you go. She's the same. Like, when you say they, she, like, wants to let her kids appreciate nature, like, yeah. my sister's always taking her kid, like, paddleboarding or hiking or Aww. they're going on some travel adventure. That's awesome. 
Uh -huh, like my mom, like she would say, sit in front of the TV, watch Sesame Street. <laughs> Nature. Nature. I'm going to go do your paper route. You know watch this guy, Bob Ross, paint. I think he's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I go deliver Nature. your newspaper. <laughs> All right, November, have a great weekend. Shanae. 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 Oh, my. <laughs> Hi, Shanae. Hi. All right, Gemini. So you are top three. You are number three on the list of great moms. <laughs> Gemini moms just know how to talk to their kids about anything. They don't hide any secrets from them. One of the things that makes <laughs> that makes a Gemini a great mom um, is her ability to understand her kids, regardless of their gender or their age. They also give the best parties and the best play dates for their kiddos. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Because <laughs> we can, we can, I told you we can party with the best of them. We can hang. That's true. <laughs> okay. I like that. Yeah, my son is 23 now, so, you know, that's all out the window. But, yeah. Aw, happy Mother's Day. Well, thanks, well, happy Mother's Day to you and Kyle. <laughs> Thank you. All right, Janae, have a great weekend. Yes. Happy Mother's Day. All right. All right. Thanks. Bye-bye. Selinas. Hi, guys. Good morning. Morning. Good morning. All right, Selena. So for Scorpio, Scorpio is actually number 10 on the list for best moms. Scorpio moms are intensely intuitive and usually know what's going on with their children before the child even knows what's going on with them. Scorpio moms are big on loyalty, honesty, and protection, but can definitely be overprotective with their kids. Yeah, that's true for my mom she's a scorpio so mm -hmm. too overprotective my mom too we were like i think my husband and i this was a while ago we were playing around and he playfully like pinched me like it wasn't hard but i made a deal i was like ah he pinched me <laughs> Ooh, he my mom was there she went off about it i was like mom it's not, it's not that bad Are you kidding? And she came in the room with a broom <laughs> uh, <yeah. Salte>. <laughs> <laughs> all right selena have a great weekend Riley, Aquarius, seventh grade. Hello. Hi. Hi. Hi, Riley. All right. So for Aquarius, this sign is actually 11 on the list for best moms. Aquarian moms are all about being true to themselves. They're, they're all about encouraging imagination. Um, however, they will have a little bit of patience for meltdowns or any kind of emotional display. That's why they're such they're they're low on on this list. Yeah. God, I can't tell you how many times I've tried to deal with my friends having mental breakdowns, and I just can't. <laughs> You're like, get it together. Tough love. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's fascinating the different life boys and girls have. She's in seventh grade, and she's dealing with her friends having mental breaks out, breakdowns. You know what I mean? Seventh grade. <laughs> and boys don't yeah. even think about boys that Boys aren't just, just, let's play NBA 2K. I just play video yeah. game. Yeah. That's so fascinating. We're not mental enough to have breakdowns. Exactly. <laughs> All right, Riley, have a good weekend. You too. All right, Diana, the Leo truck driver. Where are you at today, Diana? I am on the 610 in Houston, Texas. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. The 610, wait, that's the 610 loop. Yes, 610 loop, yeah. Yeah, oh. yeah we got to come home. We're actually, we came home for a few days. We bought a new boat and we're moving into it, so. 
But you're going to live on a boat and a truck. You are a rock star. <laughs> yeah, well, we were actually living on a boat before. Now we've bought a new boat. So we're actually moving from one to another. So, yes, yeah, so I'm actually go from a boat to a truck. Okay. <laughs> Did you hear what she said? She goes, you are. So what? what where are you again? We're on the 610 loop in Houston, oh. Texas. Okay, so when I lived in Houston and I was on the radio, I'd say, hey, uh, on the 610 loop. And the, uh-huh. guy, the guy calls me and the boss calls me and says, you don't say it like that. In Houston, you say <laughs> you say 610. You don't say the 610. No. That's how anal these people were. My bosses were with me. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, if, you're all, if I'm on the 10 freeway, I say I'm on the 10 freeway. You know? Yeah. That, exactly. That's yeah. what you say in that part of the country. Uh-huh. Here you say 610. I'm on 610 loop. And I was like, what? Oh, that's so much to think about. Oh, it was so crazy. Yeah. It was so it was so miserable. But anyway, so she's a little... Yeah, the traffic here is awful. So right, the worst. Not, it's the know, worst. We're daring, yeah. Okay, well, these are... This is like the best moms and the worst moms. One being the best, 12 being the worst. And for Leo's, you are number 12 on the oh. list. Of course, she's never home. Uh, well, <laughs> She's got a boat. She can't be that bad. She's got a boat. Oh. Of course, I don't agree with you, but my my daughter probably. Oh, <laughs> no. daughter, what's her name? <laughs> it says that they do enjoy playing with their kids and they give them generous gifts. However, Leo moms can be a little self-centered, thinking their children as an extension of herself and not as their own person. Mm-mm-mm. That's why. Well, you know, she thought I was a little hard on her sometimes. But, mm. You know, as mamas, we have to do that. Yeah, so, yeah. I was wondering what was number 12, Leo. <laughs> it's me. <laughs> All right, Diana, you have a great day. Where's Thank Libra you. fall? Where's Libra fall? Libra is actually number six in the list. Great moms uh, because they're so balanced and peaceful. It says that most Libra moms would rather be a friend than a parent though. That's why they're right in the middle. Okay, what about you? You as a future mom. uh, Number four on the list. It says Capricorns will fight to the death for their kids. They're fiercely loyal and always stand up for them. Uh, But we might be a little too hard trying to show our kids good work ethic and teaching them discipline. Speaking of fighting for the death, uh, until the death of your kids, you see they released the trailer for A Quiet Place 2, the final trailer. Looks so good. And Dutch, my youngest, has seen it. And you remember how the kid, the four-year-old, gets taken out at the very beginning? Mm Mm-hmm. Right, and so they show the scene. I haven't seen Quiet Place, but I know he's playing with a toy that makes a lot of noise, and the monster eats him. Yeah, right in front of his parents. And in the trailer, they zoom. The, I think it's a prequel. Yeah, yeah right? it is. Uh-huh. So they show John Krasinski in the store, and they zoom in on the toy that the kid's uh-huh. playing with in the first movie. That it gets eaten. The monster eats his kid. Oh man! And with not even seeing it, and when I see the trailer, it gives me goosebumps. You need to watch. That's a no, really hell good no, movie. I'm not gonna it's watch not that movie. Scary. It's not scary as much as it is like what would you do? Yeah, kind of, right. Yeah, yeah. It's not scary. Yeah, it's, it's really not, good. Four year old kid gets eaten by a monster in front of his parents. <laughs> I don't need scary. to see that. <laughs> <laughs> that's not scary. Yeah, I know. I said that's pretty. Yeah, that's scary. pretty scary. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, Kyle, what's up? By the way, if we didn't get to your horoscope. What's up at JohnJRich.com? What's up you're working on for three things we need to know? There's a new way to make money on Twitter. I'll tell you what you need to know next with John J and Rich. Text us. We won't ghost you. Like that guy you matched with online and went out with once and he said he wanted to go out again but hasn't responded to your last four messages. <laughs> anyway, text JJR and your message to 96893. John J and Rich. Kyle, what do we need to know? Twitter is introducing a new feature called Tip Jar. 
basically it allows users to connect to various payment platforms. You got Venmo, PayPal, all of those. And when the new feature is enabled on a user's account, a little tip jar icon will appear next to the follow button. From there, you can send money to people. Twitter says it takes no percentage of any of the money sent to the new feature. Although not everyone will have the tip jar feature. Um, creators, journalists, experts, nonprofits, um, right now, have that feature or should um, more users will be given access to tip jar soon they say soon <laughs> amazon has had some bad press about like the treatment of their drivers right we heard they all have to like pee in bottles just to make mm-hmm. time because they're given such like strict time frames well now they've given more rules to their contracted drivers. According to a recent version of their policies, Amazon has now gone in-depth on how the driver's personal grooming needs to be maintained. Um, They say it's at an acceptable level, which includes, but is not limited to, prevention of unpleasant breath or body odor, modest perfume or cologne, clean teeth, face, ears, fingernails, and hair. Additionally, um, They are monitoring their social media, so drivers are not allowed to post anything obscene on social media (laughs) and whatnot. So, I mean, I think think it's okay to say you're going to people's houses. You need to be at least a little bit presentable. You don't want to freak people out. But anymore, I feel like the Amazon delivery drivers, they just, you don't really see them. Mm -hmm. They drop it off, they ring your doorbell, Mm -hmm. they leave. So it's kind of like... You know, Who talk. knows if they have unpleasant breath? Right. <laughs> yeah. Who even knows but that? Clean teeth and fingernails are okay. I don't think you can have your hair however you want, and a beard and whatever. Yeah. yeah. I know. That's, I think it's way too much. I know. It's, it's, it's too a little controlling. much. Uh-huh. Everyone's like, like, now they're dictating everything? Yeah, that's a little crazy. I know. Um, So this will make a lot of people happy because I feel like every day you hear how bad it is to drink alcohol, right? Mm-hmm. Well... A recent study has shown having one alcoholic drink a day can actually reduce the risk of fatal heart disease. That's good. Let's get started this break. Uh (laughs) They said it can actually reduce the risk of dying from a major cardiovascular event by up to 20%. Wow. Now, I will have to repeat this, though, because it is only one alcoholic drink a day. It's not a bottle a day of wine or anything like that. It's (laughs) it's just one drink a day. I've been calling it medicine for years now it's true yeah there you go and that's three things you need to know okay stacks and hacks when you call your mom what do you call your mom mom Amma. Amma. Mm. i'd call my mom mom Amma, or ma 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 Twelve percent of adults use mommy 10 percent use mother 10 percent use mama Seven percent use ma, and then there's three percent of disrespectful punks who call their mom by their first name. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know what? It's funny because being around little friends, Easton hears them call me Miss Kyle. Mm -hmm. So the last like I don't know, couple of weeks, we'll be outside. He'll be like Miss Kyle, and I'm like, no, (laughs) (laughs) I worked too hard for that title. You call me Mama. Miss Kyle. <laughs> 8% of people in the new survey say they would never talk to their family again for the rest of their life if they could have perfect skin. Oh, what? <laughs> so sad. That's messed up. That's one in 12 people. 
<laughs> An annual survey found that the number one excuse that can get you out of a speeding ticket is to say, I didn't know I was speeding. <laughs> Telling them you have to go to the bathroom made uh, the top five. Yeah, I got away with it. There's a new social media trend where people are posting a photo showing their stomach before they eat a big meal and after. Oh, yeah, I, do <laughs> I haven't crazy. seen that one. It's crazy, the difference. I've seen just myself just enjoy, I've never taken a picture and I would never do that. <laughs> <laughs> a movie theater manager in Minnesota was busted selling cocaine from the concession stand. She literally put it in people's bags of popcorn. She's facing felony charges could get up to 20 years in prison. A guy in Pennsylvania got caught with drugs after someone called the cops because he wouldn't stop shooting fireworks at his neighbor's house. So the neighbors called the police. This guy's shooting fireworks. They go over there and he's got meth. Anonymous person left a $4,600 tip at a restaurant in Colorado. And two women from Oklahoma are trying to become the first mother-daughter team in the United States to reach the summit of Mount Everest. Here are the four times you might still have to wear a mask even after the pandemic ends. During flu season, which makes sense. If you're in a crowded place with a lot of people indoors, I'd probably do that too. And when new variants emerge and when you're traveling. I think from now on, if I get on a plane, I'm going to have a mask on. Yeah, I, mean, I don't think that's too. going away. I'd go without. I don't want to breathe. I wanted well, a mask well, before honestly, the pandemic hit. They've talked about like the air filtration and what mm-hmm. they've done and the cleanliness in planes that they say even those are a lot cleaner than a lot of the buildings you go into right well, now. I, I, when I flew last time I flew, it was I was like, this is incredible. Mm-hmm. It's so clean. Mm-hmm. But still, some dude coughs. I've always felt yeah. gross at an airport. I know, I know. Always. Regular people are revealing why they got blocked by celebrities on social media. Like a person who got blocked by Dr. Phil for saying they wanted to run their teeth through his mustache. <laughs> so bizarre. What the heck? Chance the Rapper blocked me after his latest album came out because I commented that his stuff was dookie. dookie. I posted on Joel Osteen's Facebook that he was the best stand-up comedian of our generation. <laughs> <laughs> this person was... This person goes, I was blocked by Kevin Hart because I typed pineapple 1,727 times. <laughs> That's just annoying. Michael B. Jordan says his worst audition was for The Force Awakens. That'd be cool. I didn't know he was on that. Oh. Camila Cabello's Cinderella. It's, I guess it's a movie. I didn't know she was making a movie, but it, it's skipping theaters going right to Amazon. They've been teasing that for a long time. Is it musical? It's going to be, I hope, if she's in it. It better be. I think so, yeah. Steven Seagal, the actor Steven Seagal, he tops Rolling Stone's list of the worst Saturday Night Live hosts of all time. The others on that list are Frank Zappa, Justin Bieber, Paris Hilton, and Chevy Chase. Oh, my gosh. Justin Bieber, it was in 2013 he hosted. They said that he had such a huge entourage that they couldn't get to him to go over ideas and stuff. Did you see any of the previews for Elon Musk on SNL this I did. weekend? I did. Like, just judging by those, I'm not sure it's going to be that great. No. This is the one where he's got the mask on. He's like... Hi, I'm Elon Musk, and I'm hosting SNL this week with musical guest Miley Cyrus. And I'm a wild card to this. No telling what I might do. Same here. Rules, no thing. It's also the Mother's Day show, so your moms are going to be here. <sighs> Forget what I said. Fine, we'll be good-ish. Oh, dear. Yeah. <laughs> he he may, be, may be able to shoot a rocket into space, but... Oh, dear. Uh, reading those be. cue cards. What do you got for life hacks, Rich? Uh, so, I am taking care of those of us who have not prepared for Mother's Day and you need something that cannot you don't need to ship it because now it's too late to ship things. Mm-hmm. So um, experts say a great hack is Cameo because your mom doesn't know about Cameo yet. 
So there's a ton of older celebrities that your parents will love. One of the big ones on there right now is Bon Jovi. If your mom grew up in the 80s, get Bon Jovi to say Happy Mother's Day to your mom and say her name. You are golden. We did that with my husband last year for his mom. Yeah. We got Sean Paul. Yeah. And oh, she was yeah. crying. She loved yeah. it. Yeah. I did that for Blake. I got her yeah. Michael Rappaport. Oh, that's right. So you're still good this year. No shipping required. And another one that I've used before, actually, it's called Gold Belly. And we'll put all, put all this up on our website at johnjanerich.com. So if your mom's not living in the same city she grew up in, you can get pretty much any food from any restaurant overnighted to your house for your mom. Like McDonald's? <laughs> if you don't have a McDonald's in your city, yeah, Gold Belly, if like, like kind of regional food. If you go to a, the city that you're from and they've got a regional thing, they can get it to you within 24 hours packed in dry ice. That's really cool. And they also suggest stuff like Masterclass, that app if your mom's like the learning type and she wants to learn how to, I don't know, cook, write a movie score, uh, learn how to act, uh, you know, plant a garden. The Masterclass thing is a great app to get to. But all these are up at johnjayandrich.com. John Jay and Rich. What do you got, Kyle? What's going on in your team world? Okay, so this may be an eye roll to some, but she explains herself. Kendall Jenner opened up about having some pretty crazy anxiety. I've had times where I feel like I need to be rushed to the hospital because I'm, I think that like my heart's failing and I can't breathe and I need like someone to like help me. Sometimes I think I'm dying. Sometimes parts of my body will go numb. It can be really intense and scary. There is going to be those people that say like, oh, okay, what does she have to worry about? What does she have to be anxious about? And I'll, I'll never sit here and say that I'm not fortunate. I know I live a very privileged lifestyle. I'm still a human being at the end of the day. And no matter what someone has or doesn't have, it doesn't mean that they don't have real life feelings and emotions. True, very mm-hmm. true. We know her sister Khloe Kardashian has lots of anxiety right now, especially because her baby daddy, Tristan Thompson, is sparking headlines once again for cheating. So his fling or possible fling, Sydney Chase, says she got Tristan Thompson's cease and desist letter and she's moving forward with the truth and choosing not to cease and desist. She will not be called a liar. She says it happened. Don't deny it. Do what you want, Tristan Thompson. So what happens if it's true? Then Chloe has to figure out if she wants to stay with someone who is clearly not faithful to her. But like the cease and desist, like what happens? Like, do I don't see, know. Honestly, lawsuit. I feel like that. Yeah. I, I truly feel like that was Tristan's way of going. I'm going to fight it. Don't worry. I'm going to fight it. But if it is true and it happened, if she has the receipts mm, like of the screwed. text messages. But if, yeah, if you can't do anything legally. If you're her and she's like, I'm not going to cease and desist. OK, what else? She's already told the story. What's she gonna, what, what else could she do? Okay. I'm going to go tell it again. No, she's not going to do anything. She's just saying, saying, don't try to shut me down. But I mean, what I'm saying is, like, she told the story already. What else is there? Post, like, post receipts if she has I, them. I know, but like, mm-hmm. okay, then what? She does a reality it's like, show that she's allegedly shopping. But is that about him? <laughs> no, I don't know. That's what I mean. Just, you just, just shut up and let her go, and then it'll just fade away. And you got to <laughs> deal with your wife or whatever, girlfriend, whoever. Well, there is another woman calling out a celebrity. Um, this one comes... Kind of right on the heels of, you know, that video of Ben Affleck reaching out to that girl because he was on the celebrity dating app Raya. So apparently Matthew Perry is on Raya as well and hit on a 19-year-old girl. And she posted, um, when Matthew Perry (laughs) matches with you as a joke on Raya and then starts playing 20 questions with you. She says, he asked her, am I as old as your dad? He's 51. She was 19. He also asked this. Do you always play with your hand this way? 
So she says she released the video because she wants to show how older men in Hollywood are taking advantage of younger women on dating apps. Now, Matthew Perry is engaged. Oh. So that Uh-oh. could make things a little messy. Probably shouldn't be on right and well, dating app. Yeah. Okay, so this there's so the many timing maybe there's so many different levels to this because they they were engaged, but I think that him and his fiance were broken up for a month, mm. and that's when he was that's on the dating the timing, app. baby, right. maybe a little. But also, it's so lame when you watch the video because it's a dating app, and they matched on the dating right. app. Right. So then the next step is you FaceTime. Mm-hmm. And so they're FaceTiming and she's throwing them under the bus because she's filming it from another phone. No. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. they know what they're doing. It's mm-hmm. so cold blooded, actually, when you think about it. Yeah. He's on this app where celebrities can go and be safe and mm-hmm. date people. Right. So that's yeah. what he's doing. He's trying to live his life. Yeah. Right. He's trying to live his life. He's So he's 51, but he matched with a 19 year old. So then it's like that's part of the. Right. I'm assuming how you fill out your application. I'm looking for this age. I'm looking for this age to yeah. each his own. So he's I mean, not you have doing to the, set your age group, right? For sure. And so, so she's throwing him under the bus. It's so unfair. Now she's deleted that video because she said she felt bad. But the video has now gone viral. It's so someone copied it and put it. Yeah, it's too late. Once it's out there, you guys. Once right. you post it online, it's out there forever. Mm-hmm. Right? So, it's, it's don't you think it's kind of cold blooded? Yeah, it, it seemed a little like. To me, it was like, I didn't really see that as him taking advantage. Yeah, you're a lot younger, but then you also chose to match with him. Like, and right. FaceTime. It's, yeah, right. and FaceTime and take it there, and then you threw him under the bus. So, right. yeah, in this situation, I'm not really sure. She didn't really have any other example of how he was taking advantage right. of her, so, so I didn't really see it She's that probably way. getting attacked. She's like, well, I was just trying to show mm-hmm. how Hollywood is is, you know, whatever, younger men, younger women. It's like, no, you're not. Right. Or clout chasing. Yeah, that's what she was doing. Yeah. Now, Matthew Perry will be a part of the Friends reunion, and Courtney Cox told Ellen there's some iconic part of the show that looks like it was a blast but really wasn't in those opening credits, them dancing in the fountain. We were in that fountain for a long time. I don't know who, somebody thought that would just be really fun. And let me tell you what happens. It's not fun to be dancing in the fountain for hours and hours. I, I remember Matthew Perry saying at one point, and I can't remember a time that it wasn't in this fountain. Like, it was, like, <laughs> Is that special? We were just like, how much longer are we going to pretend to love dancing? Oh, no, no. No. Uh, no, she was on oh, Ellen okay, yesterday. Okay. We haven't seen anything from the special. No. Oh, we don't, I kind of can't wait for the special, and I kind of don't want to see the I special. I know, because you feel like it might be disappointing. <laughs> I know, I know, if you I know. Like, have all these expectations for it, I think it's best to go in with no expectations. I know, I know. I hope it, and I also hope it's something totally different that we've never seen before. And I was like, wow, I can't believe they did that. No, it's, so it's going to be like after the rose on The Bachelor. It's going to be the not. same thing. Clips, them right. talking. John Jane Rich. Me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast-forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh, man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm going to need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. Finding great candidates to hire can be like, well, trying to find a needle in a haystack, but not with ZipRecruiter. Its powerful technology actively finds and invites qualified candidates to apply to your job. So while other companies might deliver a lot of hay, ZipRecruiter finds you the needle in the haystack. See why four out of five employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash offer. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash offer. John Jay and Rich. A karaoke company 
listed its top 20 karaoke songs. So I was going to go over some of them, and then when I get to the top threes, see if you guys can nail them. That's the part that I was going to surprise you with. It's funny because Sweetie just did an interview where she shared her favorite karaoke song. And I'm trying to remember what it was. It was Celine Dion something. Oh, really? Celine Dion. Yeah. Not Titanic? Did you go to your uh-uh. Celine Dion concert yet? Did that happen no, yet? got canceled. Oh, no, yeah. got, didn't get and rescheduled? It got rescheduled for like a Tuesday. Yeah, I'm out. Okay. <laughs> um, number 20 is uh, Garth Brooks' Friends in Low Places. Number 19 is Under the Sea, Little Mermaid. Number 18 is This Is Me, The Greatest Showman. Oh, That'd be fun. That would be fun. Number 17 is A Whole New World, Aladdin. That's oh, fun. Oh, we love that one. Great one. Um, then you got uh, A Million Dreams, The Greatest Showman. That'd yes. be fun. Yes. Um, Hakuna Matata, Lion King, Thunder from Imagine Dragons. I don't think that'd be fun to sing Mm-mm. the whole time. Thunder. Thunder. And a lightning. But you really like to sing and it. And a thunder. You're just kind of talking through. <laughs> yeah, Watermelon Sugar is number 11. Okay. Then you've got Sweet Caroline. And then you've got uh, How Far I'll Go, Moana. Oh, oh yes. I love that song. Mm-hmm. Party in the USA, Miley Cyrus, uh-huh. Roar, Katy Perry. Yep. Shake It Off, Taylor Swift mm-hmm. is number six. Number five is Shallow, Lady Gaga, Bradley Cooper. Good one. Number four is Bohemian Rhapsody, McQueen. Mm-mm. Here's number three, and I have the top three music beds. See if you guys can sing along. Number three is Old Town Road, Lil Nas X. Ready, Rich? Take it. I'm going right? to. No, you got to hear the music bed. Jesus, you ever done karaoke before? <laughs> yes, but Billy Ray starts right, right away. Oh my God. <laughs> Uh, I wouldn't know that. I wouldn't even pass the first one. (laughs) Number two, best karaoke song according to this place. Suzette, this is for you. No. Number two is Dance Monkey, Tones and I. Oh, that's hard. How does that even go? Goes, ooh, I see you, see you, see you every time. I should have had the lyrics for you because I didn't get the lyrics. I I didn't get the lyrics because song number one, I knew I didn't need the lyrics because I knew Kyle would nail it out of the park. That's a lot of pressure. It's not a lot of pressure. The number one song for karaoke is Frozen. Oh, yeah. Let it go. Let it go. Oh my God, now my mind is blank. <laughs> Why does that happen? Why? And What's you know, the opening line? Don't let them in. Oh, don't yeah, let yeah, them yeah. see. Be the good girl. This. You always have to be. See? So here we go. Let 
I've said that for years. That was you I know. That was Elsa. No. <laughs> bud. Whenever sing. we sing that at karaoke at my house, Daddy goes, no, Mom, let me do it. Oh. <laughs> okay, girl. Take, Hello, it, it, take it away, sister. Whatever you sing. Stop. Don't do that. Don't. Like, oh, that was incredible. Don't Very nice. Very nice. See, those are fun karaoke songs. We have a karaoke song. We should do that again. Yeah. With the lyrics, a long time ago, Schwanding, with the lyrics. I have a couple of things I want to play for you. Did you see this woman? I saw this yesterday on news Instagram accounts, and I was like, why are they showing this? But I didn't... You ever do that? Like, you're at a place, but you don't have the volume on, so you just kind of watch, scroll through your phone? So you see the woman that set her house on fire and then watched it burn? sat there? Yeah. She took a lawn chair, got in the street, sat there, and watched her house burn. I think someone was inside the house, too. (gasps) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's evil. She got arrested. Someone was inside the house. She sat in the chair. Now, this is a witness... Filming here, want to know what the hell's going on. Oh my god, I actually can't believe this. And she's sitting there just chilling, watching the house go up in flames. People say we should have like went over there when we seen the flames, but I'm not messing with that lady. What if she tries to kill me? Get out of the house! It's on fire! Come on, hurry, grab your stuff! She was in shock. She didn't know like what was going on as soon as she came out. She was like, oh, my God. So he, he just, like, grabbed her and then just started walking away from it. Her hair was actually singed, like, in the front. I think she was actually trying to kill that lady. She put, like, things in front of the stairway and set that on fire so that lady couldn't go upstairs. We actually consider them heroes. They actually were the first number one callers, and they were the very first ones to run across the street and help her. Oh, no. That's terrible. Right? Mm-mm-mm. Unbelievable. What else was going to play for you? I had some other things. Now I can't. Do you want to sing some more? I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll give something. Oh, I was telling you how Steven Seagal was the worst host of Saturday Night Live. Here he is, part of the. So, uh, you're graduating this year. I might. Well, do you have any plans? No. No plans. No. <laughs> That makes me very nervous. You know, people who see my daughter should have plans. Well, I like shop, and I'm real good with cars. Well, that's good, because I guess that means in the middle of the night I won't get a phone call that your car broke down, and that's why you were late or anything like that, will I? Uh, no. Wait, right? Just kind of like, uh. <laughs> That was a comedy sketch? Yeah, that was a comedy <laughs> sketch. Um, I see maybe why they voted him. Uh, where's the... Darn it, I have one more thing I want to play for you guys. I can't find it. Well, anyway. You know what's good was that Carrie Mulligan, that one from uh, um, just like two weeks ago. Her hosting was one of the best hosts I'd seen maybe ever. Oh, here. Really There's a baby eating breakfast. He's like, he got to be like eight months old. Barely can barely learning how to talk and can say mama. Oh, I've heard this. It's crazy. But he says mama like a demon. Whoa. Like satanic. It's a cute little kid. Listen to this. AJ, come to see Mama. 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 I would be terrified. Mama. 
so scary. Oh, I would no. be so scared. <laughs> that yeah. doesn't talk like that, though, right? Like, no. He's doing he that on purpose. Talk. No, he's just sitting like, mom, mom. <laughs> 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 oh, um, scary. So Kyle got an early Mother's Day gift. Right? Yeah. Some, yeah, we'll yeah. get into that next, John Jane Rich. Use your phone the way it was originally designed to be used. Talking to other humans. Call us, 877-937-1047. John Jay and Rich. Mother's Day Sunday. Mother's Day. But what happened to you, Kyle, already before Mother's Day? Well, Scott surprised me and said he had my gift already. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's so sweet. He's like, we're going to do a staycation. And the place we're staying at, it has this really awesome, like pool slash water area like the kids are gonna have a blast and like i'm like okay that sounds fun and then the back of my head i'm going like i really don't want to be in a swimsuit right now like hands down not ready for that not ready for that season (laughs) not not prepared doesn't sound great and i don't really like swimming anyway so not really the selling point for me but the kids will have fun and it's always good to like watch them have fun and so we're talking about it last night and i'm like so what do you have like any other plans for like during the day other than just like chilling by the pool and he's like, no, I think we'll just like relax. We'll just have it be a relaxing weekend, which does sound great. But I'm like, the pool. You know, I just made like an off comment. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm not looking forward to that. And he's like, well, you could like stay home if you want. And I'm like, and you'll take the kids? <laughs> and he goes, yeah, I mean, that would be weird, but yeah. And I'm like, oh, that's actually appealing. <laughs> I start going down the road of like, what if I did send them away for the weekend? <laughs> like I always say, I would really like some alone time. That would be fantastic. But I let myself go there and I'm like, would I really enjoy that? Or would I be kind of sad that I'm like missing out on these memories? I'm like, I don't know. I'll get back to you. I'll think about it. <laughs> I think when it comes down to it, I would feel like I was missing out. Like I yeah. wouldn't want to miss out on those like, you know, memories of like family time. But at the same time, it was very, very tempting. Oh, yeah. I mean, think like, of all you'll the leave. Sleep. Like, you guys will just go. You're going to take Daisy. Quiet. Like, I will have no one to take care of. <laughs> I can sleep all I want. Watch like, shows. Yeah. Eat like whatever you want. <laughs> but then I can't. I can't let him go without me. So I'm not going to. But I was, I mean, really. I don't know. I might still send him away. It's a tough one because you think they're going to have memories without you. So where can they go where you don't care? Send them somewhere we don't want to go. Where they don't have fun. Somewhere like, I don't care if you guys go there. That's yeah, what, you know yeah. What I mean? right. Mm-hmm. But it's not. But now I can't because I'll, I'll total. I'll have FOMO. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, we're gonna play a special edition of our real or fake game in honor of Mother's Day. John Jane Rich. John Jane and Rich. All right, we're gonna play a game for Mother's Day. New guy Nick in the studio. Cassie's our contestant, and Cassie's a mom and in the car with her daughter right now. Is that right, Cassie? Hi, yeah, it's uh, little Savannah here. Hi, oh. Savannah. Hi. Hi. All right, Nick is the host. Nick, how do we play this game? Hi, guys. This one's called Real or Fake, and it's the Mother's Day edition. Okay. Moms in in entertainment. Some of these moms are real. They're either like actual moms or TV moms or movie moms. Got it. Some of them are real. Some of them are ones I just made up. If you get (laughs) it right, you're going to hear what, Rich? And if you get it wrong. (laughs) Not the mama, not the mama, not the mama. 
<laughs> Easy enough? Yes. Yeah. Okay, we're going to go around yeah. the room, and we're going to start with sports guy on the show, John J. Van S. Mm-hmm. John J. Gail Brady. She's the mother of the goat. That's right. Tom Brady's mom has been by his side every step of the way. He references her advice often when he talks about what motivates him. Quote, it's not where you're selected. It's how you prove where you were selected was wrong. Fun fact, she was also a walk-on volleyball player for the University of Southern Michigan. Real or fake? I believe that is 100% real. And you would be incorrect. That's what I made up. Oh, Dang it. sounded so not real. The mama, not the mama. Not the mama. <laughs> so sorry, John Jay. Richard. Yeah, yeah. Jeannie Johnson. Mother of NBA legend and Lakers Hall of Fame point guard Magic Johnson, Jeannie, more affectionately known as The Bean, played a reoccurring role on her sort on her son's short-lived talk show, The Magic Hour. Okay, so I do remember The Magic Hour. Mm-hmm. And if you're lying about that, that would make this whole thing a house of lies. I say real. And you would be wrong. Oh. <laughs> That's one I made up. Not the mama. That is my mom's name, though, so I guess it is kind of right. You call your mom Uh, Bean? Gene the Bean. (laughs) Suzanne! Uh. Resident comic book fan. How about Mary Parker? Every friendly neighborhood Spider-Man needs his mama, right? Mm -hmm. Well, at least for two movies. Poor Mary never got to see Peter grow into the hero he was supposed to be. A, because she dies in a horrific plane crash. And B, the next movie never actually saw the light of day. Mm. Real or fake? I really hope her name is Mary. Because the only name I remember is Ben, his uncle. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to say, you know, you went fake mom, fake mom. That's a real mom. Suzanne is on the board with one point. (laughs) Strategy. (laughs) Kyle Unfug. Helene Beasley. This is the mother of secretary extraordinaire Pam Beasley. Helene was actually played by two different actresses on the show The Office. So throughout the course of the show, he's played by two different actresses. Additionally, she dated one of the show's titular characters in a four-episode arc. Eventually, the relationship ended very, very poorly. Is that one real, or is that one I made up, Kyle? I got 50-50 chance here. Real. Kyle's on the board two times. Cassie, (laughs) Betty DeGeneres, this 90-year-old mother of two's most famous child is, dot, 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 you guessed it, Ellen DeGeneres, making making frequent appearances on Ellen's show. Betty is also the first straight spokeswoman for the Human Rights Campaign's National Coming Out Project, real or fake? Cassie. Cassandra. Savannah. Oh, I'm gonna say fake mom. I'm sorry, Cassie. That oh. one is a real one. Not the mama. Not the mama. I didn't know Ellen had a sibling. She, you guys know that brother. Oh, oh, how about that? that? That's that's fun, huh? John J. Allen. John J. <laughs> John J. Andrea Swift. It's a mom story, baby. Just say yes. That's right. Taylor Swift's mom is next on the list. She's been an incredible inspiration for Taylor over the years and has made frequent red carpet appearances with her star daughter. Taylor's song, Soon You'll Get Better, was based on Taylor's struggle dealing with her mother's breast cancer. Real or fake? I met Taylor's mom, hung out with her. Taylor's mom gave me a tour. 
of the whole backstage when she area. wasn't spoke like they weren't letting anyone do that. Right, yeah. right. Exclusive. So you would think that I would know her mom's name <laughs> after spending an hour with her oh, privately. No. Don't do this. Oh, but I'm going to no. say this. I'm going to. I'm going to. Before you give me the answer, oh, no. if I'm right or wrong, I'm going to tell you that I think that's that that's true because if it's not, that's cold blooded that you tell the whole story of her having cancer and then give her a fake name. That's going to be bad on you, Mike. <laughs> So wow. I'm going to say that's wow. true. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Uh, John Jay's on the board with one point. <laughs> Did you just change your name? <laughs> just, just in case you had a yeah. new fact check me. Uh, Richard, Mrs. Geef. Whoa. I'm sorry. Whoa. You might have just heard one of those. Oh, my gosh. Mrs. Geef, animated or not, Max Goof's mom still counts. Mrs. Geef, or Goof, depending on who you ask, appeared in many short cartoons in the 1950s with Goofy. While her while she never made an appearance, nor was mentioned in Goof Troop or a Goofy movie, the rumor amongst fans is that she died tragically in a car accident. Real or fake? Fake. I'm sorry, Rich. That's incorrect. Oh. Oh. Take off your shirt. Oh. <laughs> Uh, Cassie, hold on. We're going to set you up with a prize. Nick, who's the winner of the game? Uh, we <laughs> have a three-way tie, so oh. I'm going to choose Cassie. Yay! All right, Cassie. Thank you for listening to John Jay and Rich on iHeartRadio. For more, go to johnjayandrich.com. Finding great candidates to hire can be like, well, trying to find a needle in a haystack, but not with ZipRecruiter. Its powerful technology actively finds and invites qualified candidates to apply to your job. So while other companies might deliver a lot of hay, ZipRecruiter finds you the needle in the haystack. See why four out of five employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash offer. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash offer. I'm Patrick Corelci. And I'm Adriana Cortez, and we're the hosts of Red Pilled America, a new storytelling podcast. Red Pilled America tells you the stories Hollywood and the mainstream media don't want you to hear. Visit the iHeartRadio app right now to listen to Red Pilled America. KFI AM 640 live everywhere on the free iHeartRadio app. Good morning. It's the Bill Handel Show. He is still out with his bad back. Wayne Resnick here until 10 o'clock. And then it's Gary and Shannon. And uh, somebody double check for me. Is Shannon still out? She was out yesterday. We had wonderful Layla Muhammad in also out. So Layla Muhammad and Gary today at 10. Hey, let's talk about... A legal genius in our midst here in L.A. County. Now, you've, there are people you can think about through history and say, oh, they were legal geniuses like Clarence Darrow or, I don't know, Justice Felix Frankenfurter. Um, that guy, Jerry Spence, who, is, who wore the, was from Wyoming and wore those fringe, like, Western jackets all the time. Legal geniuses, but the bit... And I am remiss in not pointing out Bill Handel, renowned legal genius. But none of those people can compare to the sheriff of L.A. County, Alex Villanueva. 
he manages to be the only person who is so brilliant in the mind that he and only he understands what he has to do and what he doesn't have to do. When the inspector general of the sheriff's department says, I would like to see this and that and the other, oh, everybody else agrees with the inspector general that he has a right to see this, that, and the other. Only Sheriff Alex Villanueva is educated in the law enough and brilliant enough to see through that scam and to know that he doesn't have to share that information. Here we go again. The sheriff refuses to name deputies who fire their guns in the line of duty. LAPD does so. So right away, you have kind of a big contrast, because right here in Southern California, two large law enforcement agencies, LAPD publicly identified the officers in every one of the 88 shootings that happened between 2018 and 2020. San Diego. They released the names of the officers in all 20 of their police shootings during that same time period. San Francisco PD. Not only do they name the names, they actually have a policy. It requires the names of officers to be published on its website, the website of the department, a social media post, and a press release within 10 days of a shooting or another incident involving serious force. Oakland PD has released the names of every officer who opened fire while on duty during that time period. So has Bakersfield PD. So has the Kern County Sheriff's Office. There was one case in Kern County uh, that was a real mess. Seven deputies fired their weapons during the incident. They did withhold three of their names because there was specific, credible evidence that those three deputies were in danger. Sacramento, the only time during this period that they withheld the name of, of a deputy was one time because a judge issued a gag order in a case that was related to that, and they said, ooh, we better be careful here. In other words, if you look around the state, law enforcement agencies pretty much are following a practice of releasing the identity of officers involved in these incidents, and only Alex Villanueva is the guy smart enough to see through the BS of this, except you might want to ask yourself, why would he be the only one? Why would all of these other departments release those names so consistently if they didn't have to? Well, it's because they have to. That's why. Because in California, you've got a Supreme Court decision that said you have to release the names unless you have a specific concern about safety for a specific police officer. This broad idea that, you know, if you release the names of police officer, they're going to be in danger. I'm not denying that that's a concern, but the Supreme Court already said that's not good enough. So here's the point. And this is really making it difficult for the county to work with the sheriff's department. And I would argue 
at a time when we're looking for some reforming of policing, some are looking for massive defund the police action. Others are looking for smaller, relevant changes in the way policing happens. But we're definitely in that period of time. And if you can't work with the county, then you're not going to be able to get reforms in the sheriff's department that you want. And Alex Villanueva, God bless you, sir, the mind on you, the big brain on you, that you are smarter than Every other police agency in the state, you're smarter than the county board of supervisors and the team of lawyers that advise them. You're smarter than the inspector general over your department, and you're even smarter than the judges on the California Supreme Court. And yet, somehow, you're not making $5 million a year as a partner in a prestigious law firm. You're a sheriff. Let's get a news update from Jennifer Jones-Lee. And then when we come back, oh, this is good. If you're 18, 19, 20 years old, put on your diapers, get your baba, and get in front of the radio or streaming device because I want you to know what a lot of people here in California think about you. And I don't think you're going to like it. It's KFI AM 640 live everywhere on the free iHeart. KFI AM640 live everywhere on the free iHeartRadio app. Good morning, Bill Handel's show. He is out with his bad back. And, uh, boy, I hope, I hope you heard me before we got news from Jennifer Jones Lee. 18-year-olds, 19-year-olds, 20-year-olds, this segment is especially for you. Everybody else can listen. But the message is to the 18, 19, and 20-year-olds. So I hope you're all in front of your radios because here's the deal. In the eyes of the state of California, you are babies. Literally, you are infants in the eyes of the state of California. Why do I say that? Here's why I say that, because they're saying that. Why are they saying that? Well, there's a case in front of the Ninth Circuit, and it has to do with California's law that says uh, if you're 18, 19, 20, you can't get a gun. California Penal Code Section 27510 sub a Firearms dealers shall not sell, supply, deliver, or give possession or control of a firearm to any person who is under 21 years of age. There's a couple of exceptions. If you're in the military, if you're in the National Guard, if you have a valid hunting license, you can get some guns, but you still can't get a handgun or certain kinds of rifles. In any event, there's a big lawsuit going on over this rule, this law. Because gun rights groups are saying, what are you doing? That's a violation of the Second Amendment. 18, 19, 20-year-olds are adults in this country. The Supreme Court has ruled that everybody has a right to have a gun at least in your house for self-defense. Ergo, you're discriminating against this group of people. Well, the state of California desperately wants to keep that law in place. And so they're fighting with everything they can come up with. 
One of the things they're saying is, you know, even under Supreme Court law, they said, for example, you cannot let felons have guns. Um, you cannot let people who have been judged by a court to be mentally ill have guns. So if you can prevent those kinds of people from having guns, certainly you can prevent 18, 19, 20-year-olds from having guns. They're equating you to criminals and people with mental health problems because of your age. Just so you understand. That's what they're saying. And then they have the other reason. A lot of times when you're looking at laws, you have to go back to when the law was passed and you have to try to figure out, well, what did the people who wrote this law really mean? What did they want to have happen? That becomes a problem sometimes when the law is not written very well. And uh, I think when they wrote the Second Amendment, they couldn't have envisioned what would happen in this country and what would happen with the development of weapons. And so they didn't write it in a way that's very helpful. You can't just look at that, those words and say, oh, I know exactly who they wanted to have guns, who they didn't, what kind of guns, where they could have them, how they could use them. You can't tell anything. And so everybody gets to bring their own view to the discussion. And so when you look at these laws, you go back to the time when the law was passed and you look at what was going on. So <laughs> this is what the state is saying. Well, no, first, let me tell you what the what the gun activists are saying. They're saying... When you go back to the time of the Second Amendment, and you know it says about a well-regulated militia being important, that if you go back to when they wrote that, people under 21 were in the militias. Therefore, how can you possibly say 18, 19, 20-year-olds aren't supposed to have guns when at the time that they were deciding this constitutional right— 18, 19, 20-year-olds were walking around with guns as part of these militias, probably younger than 18. Here's the state side of it. Are you ready? They say, well, yeah, you might have had 18, 19, 20-year-olds in the militias, but otherwise, back then, 18, 19, 20-year-olds were considered infants, babies. A 19-year-old is no different than a six-month-old as far as we're concerned and as far as the, the country was concerned back at the time. And then you get into the complicated thing of, well, then, but how come they were in militias with guns? And then the state says, well, there's a difference. Check this out. You want to hear something crazy? What if I told you that you had an obligation to mow the lawn? You had to mow the lawn. You have no choice. You have to do it. What if I also told you that it is illegal for you to use a lawnmower? Well, you just mean like a big powered riding lawnmower? No, no, any lawnmower. You cannot have a riding mower. You cannot have a Toro push mower. You can't even have one of those old-fashioned non-powered mowers that just spin around. It takes you 18 hours to mow your lawn. That's crazy, right? You have to mow the lawn, but you're not allowed to mow the lawn. That's what the state of California is saying right now in this case. So I don't know what time nap time and juice box time is for you, 18, 19, and 20 years old, but you should be demanding it because the state thinks that you're babies. Let's get a news update from Jennifer Jones-Lee and then Dr. Jim Keeney's coming on. A lot of really great medical news and some fascinating stuff that they're finding out about your body.
It's KFI AM640 live everywhere on the free iHeartRadio. Finding great candidates to hire can be like, well, trying to find a needle in a haystack, but not with ZipRecruiter. Its powerful technology actively finds and invites qualified candidates to apply to your job. So while other companies might deliver a lot of hay, ZipRecruiter finds you the needle in the haystack. See why four out of five employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash offer. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash offer. Ese último McNugget me toca a mí porque soy la mayor. ¿Y eso qué tiene que ver? Los mayores se respetan. Eso no existe, ¿cierto, mamá? Ya. Yeah. Quédense tranquilas, aquí hay otra cajita de McNuggets. Respeto, ¿viste? El no hay rivalidad cuando hay McNuggets deal. Hay un deal para cada salida familiar en McDonald's. Compra uno de tus favoritos, como unos McNuggets de 10 piezas, una Big Mac, una Quarter Pounder with Cheese o un Fileo Fish y te llevas otro por un dólar. Por tiempo limitado, precios y participación pueden variar. Válido para un producto de igual o menor valor. KFI AM640 and live everywhere on the free iHeartRadio app. Good morning. It's a Bill Handel show. He is still out with his bad back. We are joined by Dr. Jim Keeney. He's the co-director of the ER at Mission Hospital in Mission Viejo. And he's on a mission to talk to us about some great medical news. Good morning, Dr. Jim. Good morning. How you doing, Wayne? Good, good. Okay, let's get right into this. The CDC is saying that vaccines, things that are created by man, are better than nature at producing those virus-fighting antibodies. What do you make of that? Yeah, that's what they say. I mean, uh, you know, it's not that big of a surprise. There are other vaccines that seem to cause a stronger and more lasting immune response than nature. Um, remember, a lot of these vaccines, uh, not this one, but other vaccines will put in uh, additional chemicals that make the reaction very strong so that your body has almost an overreaction. So it has a good memory for it. But, yeah, this is, uh, is not surprising. I mean, we're making tons of it's you're teaching the body to make tons of spike protein, crank it out all at once and then have your immune system respond to it. So is that I mean, it kind of makes it sound like. Um, our bodies are deficient, like off the rack. Off the rack, the human body is maybe not that great at creating antibodies. Is that a takeaway from this, or is that too pessimistic? No, no, because it's still the body doing all of this. It's just it's doing it in a reaction to which offense, right, whether it's doing a reaction to the natural virus or to just the spike proteins that we're generating through the vaccination process. In the end, it's still your body's immune system that's responding. So, I mean, I wouldn't say it's deficient. It's just we're, we can, uh, you know, again, we're kind of fooling the body into believing it had an infection and our, our faking out of the body just happens to be highly efficient, highly productive. So in is it that in the real world you get an infection naturally, right? The germ that's out there gets into you, starts multiplying, and your body does, of course, have this system to react to it. So why would it be better? The, is it, the only difference is you're either acquiring it naturally through the world or you're acquiring it through a vaccine. Why would the responses be so different? 
Well, with this one, you know, it's hard to say. I don't really know why we're, we're better. It's just we observe, we, we look at these things and observe, is it a better reaction or not as good or, you know, how does it compare? And they've done that work to figure it out. The why, you know, I don't think anybody's figured out yet. Like I said, in other vaccines, uh, we add, uh, you know, other chemicals, and, and that's for the purpose of ramping up your immune system so that your immune system really reacts to it and inflames to it a little bit more, and then that would create a, a stronger response. So we do that on purpose. With this vaccine, you know, they haven't added any, any additional components that make you more reactive. I mean, it's entirely possible that something within the vaccine, just the way it's built, like those lipoproteins or, or something else, make your body more reactive and then result in a stronger antibody or immune response. All right. So I think I, I think I get it. When you get it, when you catch something naturally, you're catching that germ and you're catching that germ in its in its natural state. Vaccines yeah. are vaccines are like. Getting the natural germ plus getting other ingredients or information or getting a part of the natural virus, but not all of the natural virus. So I guess the bottom line is a vaccine is not like getting the disease naturally. It's very different and has been specifically studied and uh, formulated to maximize the body's response. Yeah, I mean, one guess could be that when you get a natural uh, you know, response, you have the entire virus affecting your body. Then what happens is your white blood cells kind of chop up that virus and make it inactive and then present different pieces of the virus on the surface of the, of the white blood cell, which causes uh, these other white blood cells to then see it, react to it, and make an antibody to it. So your body is good at figuring out which is the most reactive piece of the virus, but it's probably presenting more than one piece of the virus to the rest of your immune system. So your immune system could be distracted. It's, it's making other or attempting to make other antibodies during a natural reaction, as opposed to this, we're only giving it spike protein. It's the only thing your entire immune system seeing. And then it's reacting in that way specifically to the piece that we know creates a really strong immune response. Oh, okay. See, now, now, now it makes a lot of sense to me. Thank you. What basically it's when you get it, when you get the virus naturally, you're giving your body a lot of assignments. And when you Correct. give it a, when you give it a virus like this, you're giving it a particularly focused assignment. And so it does make sense then that it would be more efficient at carrying out one task instead of many to find out which of these many tasks are we going to stick with long term. Yeah, I mean, that's just my, you know, like logic through it kind of rea reaction. Is that true? I don't know. You know, I mean, it, it makes sense. It could be. But, uh, you know, the human body is so, so complex. Are you trying to tell me that they're medical phenomenon that we can't fully understand? <laughs> is that yeah, what you're saying exactly here it. today? <laughs> All right. Hey, listen, yeah. let's get a news update from Jennifer Jones Lee. And then when we come back, I want to talk to you about placebos, which we always think of as you give somebody a sugar pill, but you tell them that it's a it's a drug. But now there's a whole new world of placebos where the person knows that it's just a sugar pill 
and it still works. And I want to talk to you about why that might be. This is KFI AM 640 live everywhere on the free iHeartRadio. Six forty live everywhere on the free iHeartRadio app. Good morning, it's the Bill Handel Show. He is out with his bad back. We have with us Dr. Jim Keeney. He's a co-director of the ER at Mission Hospital in Mission Viejo. And so, Dr. Jim, let's talk about this. This, it's not an issue, I guess. This phenomenon with placebos. Maybe start first by just tell us the old-fashioned approach to placebos. All right. Well, this all started because we believe that the the gold standard study would be what's called double-blinded study. That means that the person uh, observing the effects doesn't know what you're getting, whether they're getting the actual pill or whether you're not. Uh, and then the patient also doesn't know what they're getting, whether they're getting the actual treatment with the pill in it or not. The only way you can fool a human into whether they're getting a treat, you know, whether they don't know they're getting a treatment is you either put the medicine in a pill or you give them a sugar pill with it has no medicine in it. Um, and, it, you know, and people have called that a dummy pill. And that's the question is like it's, it's a little bit offensive because who's the dummy in this situation? Is it, you know, you're tricking the patient? Is that what's really going on here? And to the surprise of a lot of researchers back in the 50s, that that resulted in what's called a placebo effect. Usually about a third of people will get better when they take a sugar pill. And that, that's almost kind of the competition for the treatment. And treatments are trying to beat placebo. And sometimes that's not easy. So it, it's interesting. And then doctors, we don't use the placebo effect because it's kind of, it's a sneaky thing, right? You're not telling, you're, you'd have to tell the person you're treating them and then not treat them. And that just, there's something that just sounds very unethical about that. So we don't really use placebo effect in medicine. Well, then comes along this guy, uh, Ted Kapchuk from Harvard Medical School, and he had the same concerns that you just expressed that like, is there any way to help people with this idea of a placebo without tricking them? And so he started doing studies with open placebos where people were told, hey, this is just a sugar pill. And beyond all common sense, it worked also. So, yeah, yeah so what, what do you think is going on there? I mean, I know we can't be 100% sure exactly why it works when the patient knows it's fake, but what are some of the factors that might be in play? Well, I mean, so first of all, yeah, we know that if you have a positive attitude about what's going to happen, um, a lot of times you'll do better. And so people think they're getting a treatment. They've finally been given, you know, the magic pill and, they're, and they are going to get better. That's kind of the traditional what we've always thought. Um, in his studies, it doesn't 100 percent make sense because it's not like he treated, uh, you know, cancer and told the people they could get better. He was treating things like back pain or insomnia, you know, or, or things like that, that that aren't life threatening conditions, but, you know, are are very resistant to treatment. And uh, and he was finding success in those areas. So is it really just a positive attitude? Um, so, you know, really the theories are kind of, there's two, one is, uh, is called kind of expectation that after you go through a process, you see a doctor and by the way, they even did it down to, 
do you get very little interaction with the doctor, just a quick, oh, yeah, here, I'm going to write your prescription? Or it, is it a more medium interaction or is it a super long 45-minute discussion with a caring doctor who wants to know about you as a person, who asks those kind of probing questions, who gives you an opportunity to have a discussion? And it turns out that third group did even better on placebo than every other group. So expectations to a certain extent, you know, and, and one of the statements in the, in the, that high functioning doctor group was, Hey, I've had really good experience with this. I know a lot of people are struggling and haven't found good results, but with this, we're really actually getting good results. And, you know, this positive expectation from the doctor as well. So it just seems like there's something about that therapeutic alliance that, uh, that does it. That's one theory. It doesn't explain it all. So, the second theory is just kind of that Pavlov's dog idea is conditioning that, that some people are, you know, used to the idea that they go see a medical care provider. They go through the process, you know, of sitting on a table, getting undressed, having somebody poke and prod. Uh, they get a prescription, go to a pharmacy, and, and just that process conditions us in a way to improve. Um, you know, scary as a doctor, right? Because it looks like, wow, you know. <laughs> Who needs you? You don't need a medical license. Right. You know, who needs me? Really, what you need is somebody who will listen, which a lot of doctors don't. I mean, I work in an emergency room where I'm kind of rushing in and out by the nature of the, the area that I work in. And people say to me, wow, you just spent more time with me than my doctor does. And I'm thinking, that's horrible. I wouldn't hang up your license just yet, though, because I think what's important here is it, if it's just some, like, guy – in a t-shirt, here's a sugar pill. I don't think it's going to work. I think that the fact that you are a doctor, I assume you're wearing scrubs or the white coat. You're in a clinical setting where there's stethoscopes and machines that beep. And to me, it's like getting better isn't just about the pill you take. It's about the entire experience of having medicine applied to you. And those yeah. elements are maybe just as important as what's in that pill. Yeah, I mean, but this worked even with uh, placebo acupuncture. So they took an acupuncturist, oh. and the, th the same thing, and it was either they rushed in or rushed out. Some of them had a white lab coat on, like you said, the, the augmented kind of highest functioning uh, acupuncturist sat for 45 minutes, talked to the patient about, to understand their disease, had the white lab coat, all of that. And the placebo acupuncture still did extremely well. Well, it's fascinating stuff, and probably science will never figure it out completely, but they'll but get maybe better I'll at it. Out how to harness that, right? Yeah, yes. how to use it. Yeah. Dr. Jim, thank you so much. We'll talk to you again soon, Take I'm care. sure. All right, there he goes. Dr. Jim Keeney, co director of the ER at Mission Hospital in Mission Viejo. Let's get a news update from Jennifer Jones-Lee. And then, um, you know those stories about producer Scott Rudin and how he was a rageaholic and he would throw things at people and yell at people. And for years and years, it seems like everybody put up with it. And then they started to speak out and now he is he's getting some consequences. Turns out there's a whole industry now trying to help guys like that cut it out. Rage coaches. Coming up next. KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the free iHeartRadio app. Finding great candidates to hire can be like, well, trying to find a needle in a haystack. 
but not with ZipRecruiter. Its powerful technology actively finds and invites qualified candidates to apply to your job. So while other companies might deliver a lot of hay, ZipRecruiter finds you the needle in the haystack. See why four out of five employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com offer. That's ZipRecruiter.com offer. Thank you for listening to today's episode. The Prime Minister Boris Johnson has found himself caught up in two lobbying scandals, both intertwined with mysterious origins and potentially destructive. Last month, a number of damaging claims were leaked to the press. Allegations that the Prime Minister said rather than lock down the country again, he would rather have, and I quote, bodies pile high than implement another lockdown. Can the Prime Minister tell the House categorically, yes or no, did he make those remarks or remarks to that effect? Prime Minister. No, Mr Speaker, and I think what I think... The leak of a text in which Boris Johnson promised to fix a tax issue for Sir James Dyson. Uh, the issue is really the... Uh, the question of um, the, the ventilators that, if you remember, James Dyson was offering to make. And messages between the PM and Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman saying that the government had made great progress since his departure last November. And then, of course, the news that grabbed the attention of the nation, the cash for curtains scandal. It was revealed that Boris Johnson and his fiancée Carrie Simons had decided to renovate their flat in Downing Street. And let's just say it seems the IKEA catalogue wasn't consulted. There is speculation that it could have cost hundreds of thousands of pounds. The Prime Minister insists that he covered those costs himself, but he's not denied that the money originally came from a donation or a loan from a Tory peer or party donor. Now, party rules say that any loan over the sum of £7,500 must be declared, but there's no sign of the refurbishment money anywhere. So, who was the whistleblower? Downing Street have accused one man. At the end of last year, former Chief of Staff to the PM, Dominic Cummings, was seen walking out of Number 10 Downing Street, carrying a cardboard box after being let go as one of Boris Johnson's most influential advisers. Now Dominic Cummings may no longer have a coffee mug and a packet of barrows in the Prime Minister's office, but he does have a secret weapon. It's his blog. And along with that, one of the best insights into what's been going on in Downing Street since Johnson became Prime Minister. And it is on this blog that he hit back with a post denying all allegations that he tipped off the press and he called the Downing Street flat renovation unethical, foolish and possibly illegal. So the man accused of leaking now hits back, names other uh, leakers, suggests that the Prime Minister was willing to break electoral law uh, and has very much put the ball back in Downing Street's court. And so while events unroll, the country waits with bated breath and we all wonder whether wallpaper really is back for good. An investigation has been opened by the Electoral Commission into where the funding for this renovation really came from. 
And one of the people that could be questioned is Carrie Simons. Has her expensive taste made Boris Johnson resort to getting Tory donors to secretly pay for the renovation? Well, it's what Dominic Cummings claims. How much power does the First Lady wield? What goes on behind the closed doors of Number 11's flat? And how will the Cash for Curtains scandal be remembered in the history of Downing Street? Welcome to the Sky News Daily Podcast with me, Jonathan Samuels. The relationship between Carrie Simons and Dominic Cummings has clearly turned very bad indeed but it is interesting that they started out on the same side when she to the surprise of many who thought the younger end of the special advisors in the conservative party would largely remain and carrie simons said to her then boss john whittingdale a brexiteer i'm I'm going to come with you i'm going to be on your side and i'm going to go and work for the vote leave campaign so she made common cause with dominic cummings there's no sign that they didn't get along in those days i think it all changed when she moved into Downing Street. She's also someone who'd briefly been head of communications to the party herself. Dominic Cummings wanted a complete strategy overhaul of the way that Boris Johnson communicated. He was quite radical about some things that he wanted to change. And he had his own set around him, mainly male. You know, the kind of guys who call each other by shortened versions of their second names. Uh, Kano, etc. And Carrie Simons, I think didn't like that and wanted her own sphere of influence. And of course, she had her own track to Boris Johnson, which probably caused some envy, some resentment with Dominic Cummings. And this went to and fro and got more and more toxic and difficult. They've fallen out very badly. They were frenemies and now they're outright enemies. This is Anne McElvoy. She's senior editor at The Economist, a columnist for The Evening Standard. And she recently wrote an article for Tatler on Carrie Simons. And for the research for this, Anne was given access to many of her friends and foes. I wanted to find out more about the first fiancé and what role she's carved out for herself in Downing Street. So I guess the first question is, we've heard um, so much about Carrie Simons in, in recent, well, in recent weeks, but also in, in recent months. Um, how much do we really know about her, do you think? I think that especially since she moved into Downing Street with Boris Johnson after their engagement, which all happened very fast, their relationship, their engagement, the baby, and of course then coronavirus on top of it. I think that she has closed herself in a quite small group of very loyal friends and supporters in Downing Street. But within that, she's very active. She's not someone I think who finds it very easy to to sit on the sofa with the baby and Dylan the dog and watch daytime TV. She likes to get involved in things. and, And that's where some of the fun or some of the problems start, depending on which way you look at her. But she's not someone I think who's out there courting attention. But inside, yes, she likes to be very active. I think she's quite restless in some ways, too. And you've written um, and studied the partners of uh, Prime Ministers at, at Number 10 for, for some time now. And it's not an easy role in itself, is it? And, and, and clearly, along the way, you are going to make enemies. I think one of the big question marks, certainly covering first ladies, the first one I remember meeting is Norma Major, but I have to say she was more often in the constituency and in Czechia. She didn't really like being around in number 10. But from Cherie Blair onwards, I probably met and talked to and rubbed shoulders in that 
Westminster way with all of the first ladies. And I think the big dividing line for them was, do they speak for themselves or do they speak for their other half or for the the team or what the royals would call the firm? And Shree Blair clearly found that very difficult. For a long time, she said nothing at all. And then she sort of said everything that came into her head and then she just had enough of it. Sarah Brown had a more disciplined approach to the role, but then she was a comms professional, as is Carrie Simons. And then we've had Philip May along the way, who I think saw himself as a support. He was very happy to be in the background, but he was very engaged. If you, given that uh, Theresa May wasn't thought to be the most smooth social operator ever to occupy Downing Street, he would smooth things over. I remember him handing out gin and tonics that would have knocked over a horse. I think he, he kind of understood that it was thought to be a sticky gig <laughs> to have a social event with Theresa May. So he made it as easy as he could. And he was actually somewhat easier to talk to in many ways than she was. So I think this role has changed. That You're part of that team. How much do you speak for yourself? How much do you make decisions and calls for yourself? That's some of the controversy about Carrie, isn't it? Is when she says, well, I'm going to go off and run the Aspinall Foundation, which is all about rewilding, but has has some question marks over its charitable practices. Is that okay? Because that's just what the missus has decided to do and it's her business. Or is it a reflection on Boris Johnson? That's the awkward world she's in. So let's talk a little bit about uh, sofas and, and cushions uh, and the like, because you wrote uh, an extensive profile of Carrie. And uh, as part of that profile, the John Lewis furniture nightmare quote uh, came up. And of course, it's something that uh, everyone has picked up on. Are you able to tell us who actually said that to you? Oh, I'm taking my sources secrets to the grave, as you would (laughs) expect me to do, Jonathan. Um, But it was clearly attributed to being the view that certainly that I think Carrie Simons wanted to change the furnishings and didn't much like some aspects of what was there. And she generally thought the whole place needed a a do-up. I think she generally thought it would be a service, not only to herself and Boris Johnson, but to those who came after, to do up the number 11 flat. I think it, state agents would say it had had a good uh, a good overhaul. It's quite interesting, isn't it, how uh, no one would necessarily criticise somebody for wanting to make their home their own. But would you say that some of the tabloid reporting on this whole affair, putting putting the, the, the financial side of it to one side, has, has been rather sexist? I do think there are aspects of sexism in the coverage. Uh, it's easy sometimes when things have gone awry and wrong decisions have been made to say, oh, well, there must be some sexism at the bottom of uh, of this. But I think there's, the sexism here tends to be more about has she got too much influence? I mean, she might be meddlesome. She can be a bit meddlesome. But I, I wonder if it's a question that would be phrased in the same way if it were the other way around. There's also the fact that she's relatively young and I think there is sometimes an undertone of who is this silly, flighty, younger woman. If she were a bit older, we might well say she's the power behind the throne, but I think it would almost have a breathless respect to it. And there's an an element, I think, of when you were a younger partner and you're female and you made your way up uh, through the party working for people and caught the eye of of sometimes wandering eye, but the I did settle on her of Boris Johnson is, well, what's her game? Yeah, I think that is true. And I tried when I was doing the uh, original Tatler piece to, to make sure I spoke to many friends and supporters, as well as those who were quite keen to come forward and say, well, she's the new Anne Boleyn to Henry VIII. Uh, I wanted to round out that picture and hopefully not fall into that 
trap of thinking, well, she's a young woman, she must be on the make, because I think that is something to really guard against in this coverage. Celia, if Boris and Carrie had given you a phone call last year and said, look, uh, Celia, we really want you to come and do up the flat, uh, what would you have suggested? What would your big ideas have been? Well, I think uh, if if they'd called me and asked me to go in and do up the flat, it certainly wouldn't look like what we think it looks like now. I would be more on the classical side of things. But what I would do is throw in a bit of madness in there because I can see it in his personality. And I think it needs to have a little bit of over the top, maybe with artwork or some kind of uh, piece in there that says it all about Boris. Uh, And I'd have to look long and hard to find something suitable, I think. It would be a task. This is Celia Sawyer, who's an interior designer that works around the world. And now I'm lucky enough to work with high-profile, high-net-worth clients, and it's a a very nice job. But it wasn't Celia's classical style that inspired Wallpapergate. Instead, Simon sought the service of leading interior designer Lulu Little. I asked Celia to describe her style to those of us that might be less familiar. I was, it's not my style at all, but each to their own, because, of course, that's why you pick your own interior designer, because they all have different styles. Lulu Little, I did not know anything about until all this came up. There are quite a few of us out there, you know, that do interior design, and she's not someone I've come across. But uh, it, by the looks of it, her style's very over the top. It's, I would say, a, a real mix of textures, colours, stripes with circles and, and pr- big prints. So what she might have done for Downing Street could have been toned down. But if you like that kind of style, then it really needs to be over the top. So this phrase, John Lewis nightmare, has cropped up. Uh, what do you think about John Lewis as, as a brand? What, what are their furnishings like? Are they, are they still popular, still fashionable? <laughs> They are popular to a certain type of clientele. John Lewis has always been around, you know, and and I know things are difficult for everyone in retail at the moment, but they've been around for a long time. They've supplied goods that are of good standard, and I think a lot of people still use them. So, you know, although designers don't necessarily use them, or I don't personally, you know, it's only because I want something different and I'm asked to find unusual items for my clients generally, not your high street stuff. Whatever your politics are, nobody can deny that uh, Boris Johnson certainly has uh, a big personality and uh, has charisma. When you're doing interior design, how much do you look at someone's personality and, and the sort of the aura around them when you're choosing furnishings, when you're choosing textiles for their home? It's really important to understand your client, their personality, what gets them going, you know, what sort of things do they talk about, what are they interested in, how do they live. If you don't do that, then you're not a very good designer because you mustn't design for yourself, you must always think of your client. And this is where I think, you know, with this kind of chaotic interior that we think we have here, I think she's got it right then to choose this particular designer because it's chaotic like him. You know, he's always, you know, the suit doesn't quite fit properly and and the hair's always all over the place, isn't it? And and it's all a bit, you know, I've turned up slightly late to the meeting and (laughs) I always feel like it's, it's, that's his personality. So she's probably the right designer for him. Coming up, the diplomat, spy and serial traitor behind Downing Street.
It's hosted Margaret Thatcher's Derby and Staffordshire China Collection, enjoyed a mirrored exercise room brought in by the Blairs, worked the minimalist design of the Camerons and sported Theresa May's loyalty to John Lewis, all while remaining one of the most important places in British politics. But 150 years ago, Downing Street itself needed a renovation before it could house the government offices. My name is Dr Jack Brown. I'm a lecturer in London Studies at King's College London. Uh, and in 2016, I was uh, the first researcher in residence at Number 10 Downing Street. So, Number 10 Downing Street, I believe, has been around since the late 17th century, uh, still being used today, of course. And in many ways, it's a, it's a, a building that, that really isn't suitable for, it, for its current purpose. You are absolutely right that it was, it was constructed in the 1680s, but when it was constructed, it was not built for this purpose. It was built by uh, Sir George Downing, a, a diplomat and a spy and a serial traitor, slightly dodgy man, and it, it was built as part of a row of terraced houses, quite cheaply designed to turn a profit, really, to be rented to no one in particular, whoever would be happy to live there, with the expectation that, you know, he would rent them out and make a bit of money from it. And it was not designed, was not intended to be the home or even office of the British Prime Minister. This is something that's happened over time. So you're right, it's not necessarily suitable for its current purpose because it wasn't designed for its current purpose. And of course the front is so iconic, isn't it? Especially with those uh, shiny black doors that we're so familiar with. But behind the black door, I guess the building has changed a, a huge amount over the years. Yes, so when the first Prime Minister moved in, 1732, the first Prime Minister, Sir Robert Walpole, was, was given the house as a gift by the King. Personal gift, but he said, oh, maybe I won't accept it as a personal gift. I'll accept it in my official role as First Lord of the Treasury, which is why subsequent First Lords of the Treasury and the Prime Minister today is First Lord of the Treasury. This is why they have inherited it. He did this, you know, it sounds very altruistic, but he also maybe did this because that meant that the state would pay to sort it out. And that iconic, famous front door is on a small terraced house that's actually joined to a much more impressive, grander house at the back. And that means that Downing Street, whilst it looks very humble from the front, it is a little bit larger and it is very kind of maze-like. Uh, very inconsistent in its design, but it's got a lot more rooms and a lot more space than you would have thought when you look at it from the front. And that's because of this historical accident, because of the way it has been knocked together. And ever since then, it's been being adapted, been falling apart, and it's never quite been uh, in perfect nick. Again, because it was not designed for its original purpose. And what have the modifications to the building over the years said about the prime ministers who've been uh, living there? Well, one of, the, one of the first things that's happened, and this ha it hasn't been really down to the Prime Minister, but it's more about how the role of the Prime Minister has changed, is that the Prime Minister's living quarters over hundreds of years have been forced upwards into what is now a, a sort of private flat a few floors up. Originally, most of the ground floor was part of a private residence and there was kind of one room which was the Prime Minister's study and as the roles got bigger and bigger more and more responsibilities at home and abroad you need more people to assist you and the, the official bit of the house has, has got bigger and bigger and pushed, pushed the living quarters back. In much more recent history different Prime Ministers if you happen to be the Prime Minister who's there when a, a periodic renovation is needed then you can have some influence on that 
Thatcher, for example, was there when the state rooms, which are the rooms that are used for entertaining guests, um, when they needed uh, a kind of periodic refurbishment, she had really quite intricate gold leaf put into the, to the ceilings that you can still see there today. Because she thought the place should be quite impressive. She thought that foreign diplomats and, you know, uh, other world leaders should come in and go, oh, wow, OK, this is a serious country with a serious leader. Whereas other prime ministers have wanted it to be much more humble. It's about highlighting that this is the home of the prime minister, who is primus inter pares, who is first amongst equals in the cabinet system, and not of a monarch. You know, it's not the home of the queen or the king, and therefore it's not meant to be quite so elaborate. But generally, prime ministers can shape the decor quite a bit, and it depends on their personality and what message they want they want to send out. Yeah, it's interesting you talk about the personality of, of, of the Prime Ministers because some of them have felt more affection towards Downing Street than others, haven't they? Some have been really keen to move in straight away with the kids or whatever, others less so. Yes, well, some of this is just to do with the uh, curious live-work nature of the building, right? That's not a, it's not a normal thing. I'm not sure that many of us would want to live at work, um, you know, particularly in this, this era, era of working from home where we've been forced to. I think we can't wait to get back to an office and have a bit of a dividing line um, between work and home life. But um, some prime ministers have really taken to it quite easily. Prime ministers like Harold Macmillan um, and Alec Douglas Hume, who came after him, were kind of quite used to having, um, you could argue, to having servants or to having people in the house so that they are... Uh, coexisted with alongside their families and it's meant to have been you know reputed to have been a very good family atmosphere during Macmillan's time for example you know little sign up saying you can't ride your tricycle grandkids in the corridor on a Thursday because that's when cabinet meets whereas others like uh, Harold Wilson found it a little bit more uncomfortable um, particularly his wife Mary Wilson was was not a fan of the lack of privacy and they they had a doorbell put on the internal flat you know so that they could actually tell when people when civil servants or, or, or advisors were going to come knocking and invade their privacy so it really depends on your personality but this is partly to do with the job of prime minister and over time it's become increasingly a really visible kind of 24-hour role rise of the 24-hour media the expansion of the state and the amount of things that you're meant to do um, so you, you don't just have to do more work, you have to be seen more often. And it is an increasingly public role, one that comes with a great degree of limelight, which suits some and suits others less. And I think, you know, we, we have a constant debate about which prime ministers are more or less suited to that, that aspect of the role. And Jack, you say that you were Number 10's first ever researcher in residence, which sounds uh, rather fabulous. What, what did that entail? And would you say that um, during the time that you spent inside Number 10, you did, uh, you did fall for it? You know, you became um, a fan of the building or did you come away saying, oh, I never want to step in there again? <laughs> well, I think I, the, the first thing to say is that I, I didn't live there. The in-residence title is, is, is one that I'll use very happily, um, but, but they don't have space. This is one of the things about Downing Street. They, the, the competition for desks is extremely high. What I would say about the building itself, which is the thing that I focused on, I focused on how it kind of shapes 
how we're governed, right? It's a small place adapted rather than designed for purpose. It is deliberately uh, humble to the extent that it's deliberately anything, right? <laughs> the whole thing's an accident. But the the humble nature of it is something that I think has been um, deliberately endorsed and kept. And I think that does have a good effect on how we are governed because it reminds the Prime Minister that they are just one of many ministers, that they are not a president or a monarch, and that they are just like anybody else to some extent. The Grand Staircase, which, uh, you know, is, is quite famous, portraits all the way up the staircase of the different prime ministers who've gone before you. And just stepping into that history, I think, reminds you that you are just one in a very important uh, long line of successes, but uh, but also that your time will end there as well, you know, make the most of it. I think the history of it really does get into you and that does have a, a, a positive impact, um, possibly a, a little bit of a restraining impact, uh, but that's not necessarily a bad thing on, on Prime Ministers as they enter that, that historic building. So yes, I did, I did fall for it. I started off thinking, this is ridiculous. This is so, you know, so British, we just do things the way that we've always done it, just because that's the way it's always been done. But actually, you know, there is something about the history and, and, and like I say, the humble nature that really I think is quite, is quite significant and quite a positive thing. Boris Johnson has said he will comply with an investigation into how the Downing Street refurbishment was paid for, but still claims he acted within party rules. And just to note, the Prime Minister will have the final say on any investigation into ministerial misconduct by an independent adviser. My thanks to Dr Jack Brown, Celia Sawyer and Anne McElvoy. You can keep up to date with events on our website and mobile app. And thank you for listening to this episode of the Sky News Daily Podcast presented by me, Jonathan Samuels, produced by Lauren Pinkney and Nicola Ayers with interviews producer Tatiana Alderson. The climate crisis can be an overwhelming and emotional conversation. We will not let you get away with this. But it isn't just about cutting carbon emissions or reporting on disasters. On Sky News Climatecast, we'll examine the big issues in depth with scientists, policymakers and activists. Every week, we'll highlight how small changes can make a big difference as we look for solutions to climate change problems. Sky News Climatecast. Listen, follow, subscribe. Sign up for the newsletter so you never miss an update. Tonight, several developing stories as we come on the air. The COVID pandemic and new signs the U.S. may be turning a corner. New cases plunging to their lowest level in seven months and daily deaths the lowest since July 2020. One major U.S. city now approaching a level of immunity. And news tonight from Moderna on the effectiveness of its booster shot. Florida, the latest Republican-led state to pass a controversial law restricting voting. The governor signing it only before Fox News cameras, saying it protects elections. Activists arguing it targets voters of color, how they're fighting back. The shooting at an Idaho middle school, multiple injuries and reports the shooter was a sixth grade girl. What we're learning about that. The school bus hijacked with 18 children on board. The suspect, an army trainee with a rifle who abandoned his post. The new U.S. warning to Russia as the Kremlin masses troops on the Ukraine border. Andrea Mitchell's exclusive conversation with Secretary of State Blinken 
Connecticut. New images inside a migrant holding facility that was overcrowded with children two months ago and why a Texas Democrat says they don't tell the whole story. And the price you pay for summer travel. The surprise fees to watch out for. This is NBC Nightly News with Lester Holt. Good evening, everyone. As America eases open the doors of familiar life this week, the number of people we've lost in this country to COVID has quietly ticked above 580,000, over 600 deaths today alone. A reminder, the battle has not been won. But a dramatically slowing rate of deaths and COVID infections tells us the vaccinations are working. And we're seeing what tangible victory could look like tonight. The major city pulling together, rolling up its sleeves and creating a level of community immunity. We'll take you there to see what's working. And as a country, is it too soon to say we're turning the corner? We've got a lot to tell you about on the COVID front tonight. Let's start with Miguel Almaguer. Tonight as U.S. COVID cases and deaths drop to their lowest levels since last fall, San Francisco may now be leading the nation in community immunity, a national model for its vaccination rate. Nearly 75% of those eligible here have at least one dose, already higher and two months ahead of the president's goal of 70%. We're hoping by the middle of this month we'll get to 80. COVID? After early vaccination outreach, COVID cases in the city are in a free fall, averaging 26 infections a day. Today, San Francisco and Los Angeles joining Chicago and New York, dramatically easing restrictions. In every part of New York City, life is coming back. Across the country, more than 40% of all adults are fully vaccinated. A new study finds when half the U.S. is inoculated, the nation could prevent 6.8 million COVID cases and billions in medical costs. But the numbers haven't convinced everyone. Iowa is declining 71% of vaccines earmarked for the state. Demand for vaccine in Iowa and nationwide is waning. With Pfizer announcing they'll help vaccinate Olympians before they arrive in Tokyo, Moderna confirms early trial results show its booster shot is highly effective against variants. Tonight, vaccines are bringing loved ones back together. In New Jersey, more than 100 families separated because of the virus, now reunited because of vaccinations. Moments of joy after a year of sorrow. Miguel, as more get vaccinated, more restrictions are easing. But what is the CDC guidance for returning to the office? Well, the White House has said those new guidelines could be coming out soon. They could redefine what it looks like when you return to work. But, of course, vaccinations could mean less restrictions. Lester. Okay, Miguel, thank you. Protecting the vote or preventing it? That debate raging tonight in Florida, where the governor just signed a controversial new voting law prompting immediate legal challenges. Sam Brock is there. Tonight, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis signing the latest controversial state voting law that he says will make elections more secure. Uh, we're going to make sure our elections are transparent. Uh, we're also going to continue with voter ID, which is very, very important to make sure that you are who you say you are. 
DeSantis raising eyebrows, making it official on Fox News. I'm actually going to sign it right here. With no other media outlets allowed in, though Fox says it did not request or mandate that the event be exclusive. Governor was on national TV. It wasn't secret. The new law zeroes in on voting by mail, requiring an ID to request a mail-in ballot, limiting drop boxes to where they can be monitored in person, and prohibiting so-called ballot harvesting. It's not for some political operative to get a satchel full of votes and dump them off. A lot of this legislation to me looks like a large straw man. You're constructing an enemy, you're constructing fraud, you're constructing an opponent that doesn't practically exist. The NAACP and other groups now suing, saying the law deters minority voters and slamming it as an attack on the right to vote, noting twice as many black voters cast mail-in ballots in 2020 as compared to previous years voter suppression, uh, and it's a direct backlash to the increased black voter turnout in Florida that we saw in 2020. And tonight, the Texas legislature is primed to vote on bills that would limit early voting hours and empower poll watchers. Lester? Sam Brock tonight. Thank you. Russia tonight is still massing troops on its border with Ukraine, despite pulling back some, as Secretary of State Antony Blinken promises to defend Ukraine from any Russian threat. He spoke exclusively with Andrea Mitchell in Ukraine. U.S. officials say Russia still has nearly 80,000 troops on the Ukraine border, instead of withdrawing most of its forces by May 1st, as it claimed. Tonight, the Secretary of State on Russia's alarming show of force. Will the U.S. defend Ukraine if Vladimir Putin invades? So what we've seen, Andrea, is that uh, there was a massive buildup of forces on the Ukrainian border. Some of those forces have pulled back, but significant forces remain. Some of the heavy equipment has been pulled back, but other heavy equipment remains. And they can turn that around fairly quickly. Secretary Blinken is also warning Ukraine of a problem from within, rampant corruption. Doesn't that show that Ukraine has not proved that it can reform? Well, you know, Ukraine has aggression coming from outside, uh, from Russia but also inside in terms of corruption that potentially eats away at its, at its democracy. Corruption is a tool that Russia uses to try to erode um, Ukrainian sovereignty from the inside. And for the past year, the government's total failure dealing with a pandemic. With a population of 42 million people, only 419 are fully vaccinated. Now yielding to international pressure, the White House agreeing to support waiving vaccine patents so more nations can manufacture their own. Critics say that this will affect supply chains and that we could face shortages ourselves back in the U.S. If the virus is replicating anywhere, it could be mutating. And if it's mutating with a new, a new variant, it could come back here and, and bite us even after people have been vaccinated. So we have to get ahead of that and we have to get ahead of it around the world. The biggest challenge for Ukraine is Russia. The Biden administration's commitment is to help Ukraine defend itself with weapons, but not to get involved militarily if Russia decides to cross that border. Lester. Andrew Mitchell in Ukraine, thanks. In just 60 seconds, new images from inside a border facility for unaccompanied migrant children. Is the emergency getting any better? Terrifying moments today at a middle school in Rigby, Idaho, where two students and a custodian were shot and wounded. 
Authorities say a teacher disarmed the suspect, a sixth-grade girl, and held her until police arrested her. The injuries are described as non-life-threatening. And a harrowing morning for some school children near Columbia, South Carolina, after a U.S. Army trainee got on a school bus with a rifle and held the children and the driver hostage. After a short time, he let them all go, drove the bus himself for several miles, and was eventually arrested. Officials say the rifle was not loaded and believe it was all a desperate attempt to leave training and get home to New Jersey. Now an update on the record migrant surge at the southern border and new images from inside a border patrol detention facility for unaccompanied children, which one Democrat tonight says are misleading. Gabe Gutierrez is there. This is new video provided by Customs and Border Protection from inside the makeshift processing facility in Donna, Texas. It's much less crowded than it was months ago, and now officials say children are being kept here for an average of 24 hours, much less than before. But a Texas congressman, a Democrat who'd previously leaked these photos of packed conditions at the facility in March, says the claim that the problem is under control is misleading. What they're doing now is they're moving the kids from the Border Patrol tents over to next door to the HSS facility. With all due respect, it's all a show game. The number of unaccompanied migrant children in Border Patrol custody has dropped dramatically to around 700. But the number with the Department of Health and Human Services has soared to almost 22,000. A plan takes time, and especially so because we had to rebuild an entire system that was dismantled. Still, at the border, the current surge is stretching not just federal, but state and local law enforcement agencies to their limits. These GPS agents right now are trying to talk to one of the suspected smugglers. Officials say 160,000 unaccompanied children are expected to cross the border this year, shattering the previous record. One woman told us the two-month journey from Honduras was hard. And that she and others came here because they lost everything during two massive hurricanes last year. Gabe, you just toured that Border Patrol processing facility. What struck you the most? Lester, it was not chaotic, but still very busy. There are more than 800 migrants here. That is still over COVID capacity. And last month, this facility alone cost more than $19 million to operate. Lester? All right, Gabe, thank you. And new details now about the handful of families separated under the Trump administration that have now been reunited. Jacob Soboroff just spoke with the Homeland Security Secretary. As some families separated by the Trump administration reunite this week, we asked Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas if they'd be given permanent status. We are very much uh, focused on providing stability to the reunited families. It's not something we can guarantee at this point in time. Over 1,000 families are still separated from the policy ended in 2018. The task force director says there may be more. We are finding evidence of separations. We still have to go through and match up data and look at what led to those separations. Mayorkas responding to calls for Trump officials to face accountability. Accountability would not deliver necessarily justice for just the families. You don't believe that any of those people deserve to be held accountable for their role in this? That's not what I said. What I said was that we are focused on reuniting the families. That is the justice that we are focused upon achieving right now. The secretary also told me that not just parents, but siblings of separated children might also be able to get permanent legal status here.
Lester. All right, Jacob, thank you. There's new data out showing more than 6,600 anti-Asian hate incidents have been reported to the group Stop AAPI Hate since March 2020. Vicki Winnell on the troubling rise, and we have to warn you, the video is disturbing. In New York City, police have recorded at least 40 anti-Asian attacks this year, including an assault with a hammer, another man beaten into a coma while gathering cans. Today, dozens of business owners gathered in Brooklyn to stop Asian hate. We will not accept any of this going on in not only our community, not only in our city, but in this country. I was so scared. What if the guy go crazy, have a gun or a knife? Earlier this week in Washington, D.C., store owner Chong Hulu says he received 14 stitches after a man punched him. you, Chinese people. I hate you. And in San Francisco, a man has been booked on charges of attempted murder, accused of stabbing two Asian women who were waiting for a bus. Police data from 16 major cities showed a 164% increase in reports of anti-Asian hate crimes compared to the same time last year. This could be my mother. It scares me, and I, I think it also just sort of frustrates me. The newly formed Asian American Foundation has raised $250 million to respond to the rise in anti-Asian violence and discrimination. We're going to invest in data and research. We're going to fund education. Asian American history should be a part of American history. Asian American advocates say one way anyone can help, take bystander training so that when you see something happening, you have skills to safely intervene. Lester? All right, Vicki Wynn, thanks for that. President Biden traveled to a Republican stronghold today to sell his massive infrastructure plan. Our Kristen Welker now with the GOP objecting to the price tag and how the president plans to pay for it. With Republicans opposing his $2.3 trillion plan to overhaul the nation's infrastructure, President Biden today going to bright red Lake Charles, Louisiana to make his case, joined by the Republican mayor, standing in front of a bridge 20 years older than its intended lifespan. Across the country, we have failed. We have failed to properly invest in infrastructure for half a century. But Republicans in Congress blasting it as a massive tax and spending spree. They say focuses too little on traditional infrastructure like roads and bridges. To pay for the plan, the president wants to raise taxes on the wealthy and large corporations. I can't imagine that there's Republican support for bringing socialism to America. He's mortgaging everybody's future in order to do what? Fund a bunch of liberal pet projects, cancel energy jobs. But the president says his plan will create jobs. He'll host leaders from both parties here at the White House next week. Lester. Okay, Kristen, thank you. Now to the hunger crisis in America. A staggering one in eight people are reportedly having food insecurity, even in places that may surprise you. Here's Cynthia McFadden. Despite these amber fields of grain, America's heartland is hungry. In Iowa, one in seven children struggle with hunger. In Nebraska, it's one in six. Brian Barks runs a food bank that stretches over 93 counties in those states. We've followed their work since the start of the pandemic when things were really rough. How are things now? Uh, still hard. We have not seen a light at the end of the tunnel. People are still still struggling and still hurting. Food Bank for the Heartland was started 40 years ago. You grab the onion? Got the bread? And while there have been plenty of hard times over the years, nothing has been as rough as this. Amazing your household. Bye. The month before the pandemic struck, they were spending $80,000 a month on food. And now... 
we will spend about $1.5 million per month purchasing food. In 2020, they distributed 42 million pounds of food, up 45% from 2019. Many here had jobs and mortgages and well-fed children only a few months ago. We need food. I work maybe once or twice a week and um, hard paying my bills, my rent. Brian Bark says roughly one in four people seeking help since the pandemic are doing so for the first time, and many don't qualify for federal programs. There are some serious questions that everyday Americans are asking themselves. Do I get the medicine that I need or do I buy food? But food banks can't do it alone. He says the federal government's decision to extend the 15% increase in food stamp benefits, known as SNAP, through the summer will help. For every meal that a food bank distributes, SNAP can do nine. I mean, when you do the math, it just makes sense. Tonight, in the heartland, proud Americans are asking for help, grateful for those who will give it. Cynthia McFadden, NBC News. After a short break, those travel fees are coming back. What to know in the price you pay. Nearly three-quarters of Americans say they're planning a summer vacation. Our Kristen Dahlgren looks at how those plans could hit your pocketbook pretty hard. It's not just travel coming back this summer. Some travel-related fees are making a comeback, too. Consumers should look at the total picture when they travel. There are now fees to enter countries, mandatory health insurance, mandatory COVID testing, and especially for families, those fees can add up very quickly. While many airlines did away with change fees during the pandemic, on some of the lowest price or basic fares, those fees are back this month. It might make sense to spend a little bit more, especially if you want that flexibility. Many people are turning to travel agents to help navigate the new travel landscape. But that could cost you. Some may charge upfront fees. Bottom line, do your research, including on your destination, your hotel, even restaurants, to find out what extra costs you might incur. And don't be afraid to ask for a refund of a hotel's resort fee if usual perks aren't available because of the pandemic. Also, use those points or miles. When you want to change or cancel a frequent flyer mile ticket, you can now do that in most programs and get all of your miles and cash back. Making sure that beach trip doesn't leave you drowning in debt. Kristen Dahlgren, NBC News. Up next here tonight, we'll meet a nurse whose personal struggles made her even more effective at her job. Finally, celebrating service, and on this National Nurses Day, we meet a nurse who learned from personal experience what they don't teach in school. Sona Daldumian has cared for pediatric oncology patients at Los Angeles Children's Hospital for more than two decades. I wanted to be a nurse since my very first memory as a child. It's where she met her husband, Jed, a physician's assistant. It was his second month on the job. He was like, yeah, sure, you can follow me. I'm going to pretend I know what I'm doing. They started a family. In 2016, Jed was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. The couple decided to make memories. Jed liked to get married a lot, didn't he? <laughs> he just had a thing about marrying me over and over again. I'm the luckiest woman well, on earth. 18 months after his diagnosis, Jed passed away. A month later, right. Sona returned to work. Was it hard for you to, to work in oncology after going through your personal struggle and, and the loss of Jed? 
It was, um, but it was never a doubt in my mind that I was going to come back to it. You can read books, but once you experience it yourself, your advice that you give to families is a lot more practical. Families like Nicole Shahari, her daughter Gabby had a rare bone cancer. She walks right alongside you and she just gives so much love and so much comfort. A gift her patients give back. I just love them. I love them for who they are. That really touches a place in my heart and just appreciate them for who they are. And one more note before we leave you tonight, be sure to check out the new episode of Nightly News Kids Edition posting online tonight. That's Nightly News for this Thursday. Thank you for watching, everyone. I'm Lester Holt. Please take care of yourself and each other. Good night. Hey, NBC News viewers, thanks for checking out our YouTube channel. Subscribe by clicking on that button down here and click on any of the videos over here to watch the latest interviews, show highlights, and digital exclusives. Thanks for watching. Please follow us on Facebook and subscribe via iTunes. A federal grand jury has indicted Derek Chauvin and three other former Minneapolis police officers involved in George Floyd's fatal arrest. Court papers accuse them of violating Floyd's civil rights by detaining him and using excessive force. Three of the officers appeared in federal court virtually this morning. Chauvin, who was convicted last month for the murder of George Floyd, was not there. For more on this, let's bring in CBS News Chief Justice and Homeland Security Correspondent Jeff Pegues. Uh, so, Jeff, what more can you tell us about this grand jury indictment and what the former police officers are charged with? Are charged with. Was this expected today, Jeff? <laughs> no, it wasn't. I was going to say. Uh, which is, uh, yeah, which is why we've been scrambling to gather the information. The feds really kept this one under wraps. We knew that they were in you know, deciding and investigating whether there were civil rights violations, but we did not know that the officers would be in court this morning. We got late word about that. We have the court documents, and what this is is a three-count indictment alleging that all four defendants, while acting as police officers, willfully deprived George Floyd of his constitutional rights. In essence, boiling this down, they violated, according to the government, his civil rights. So what they're saying is that all four officers, Derek Chauvin to Tao, Alexander King, and Thomas Lane, violated his civil rights uh, in their three counts. Count one is that, they, that Chauvin held his left knee across Boyd's neck. Uh, you've obviously seen the video. Count two of the indictment, and this is interesting, I think, it says that Tao and King willfully failed to intervene to stop Chauvin from doing what the court found that he did. Now, that count, too, does not mention Thomas Lane. And if you followed this trial, you know that Thomas Lane was the officer who said to Chauvin, hey, listen, uh, he doesn't look so good. Perhaps we should roll him over. So he was not included in this count, too, which might help his criminal case, which is upcoming in the fall. So there's another count here, a separate count against Derek Chauvin. And this is a case that we really haven't followed, but it was out there. We've been looking into it. 
It involves an incident that happened in 2017. And it happened to a 14-year-old boy in Minneapolis. According to this indictment, Chauvin uh, held this teenager by the throat, struck the teenager multiple times in the head with a flashlight. Uh, the indictment also alleges that he held his knee on the teenager's neck and upper back. So what you're hearing there is something similar to what, what happened in the George Floyd case. This indictment uh, charges Chauvin with that incident as well. Um, so we learned last week that Chauvin's lawyer filed a motion for a new trial after his conviction last month. Will that move forward or will this indictment change things? No, that's, that's still moving forward, but it's on a separate track. This is a federal case that we're talking about mm -hmm. now. This is a, a federal grand jury that heard this case. And so these are all operating on separate tracks. So that will continue. And Jeff, Chauvin was, as you mentioned, uh, charged in this second indictment stemming from this incident back in 2017, where he used a neck restraint on a 14-year-old boy. Um, why wasn't he charged then? Hmm. Well, that's a, that's a very good question. We, um, we don't know the answer to that question at this time, but clearly what uh, federal investigators are saying there is that there is a, a pattern here with Derek Chauvin. This is this knee tactic that he used, obviously, to take the life of George Floyd was something that he'd, he'd used before, and they bring up this case of this 14-year-old boy. So obviously that's a case that we'll have to look more into, but uh, federal investigators were clearly aware of it. Uh, there had been talk about it in the past, but it was not included in his criminal case, which of course just, just concluded with three guilty pleas. All right, uh, Jeff, I know that this thing just came out and you scrambled to get it on, to get on air with us and we really appreciate it. Thank you. My pleasure. Hit us up on Facebook and Twitter. And that's it for this week's episode. Add us to your podcatcher or on iTunes now so that you can make sure you never miss out on another second of our wonderful podcast. We would hate for you to miss out. Have a great week, everyone. Please be advised that this podcast is meant for educational and informational purposes only and is in no way a replacement for legal or medical advice. The opinions contained within are solely those of the interviewers and interviewees and should be received as so. Those seeking help or advice are encouraged to obtain professional legal and medical services.